0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter
1: at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show
0: at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt
2: Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend.
2: Now on BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio.
2: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Happy Monday morning to you and happy Bat Appreciation Day. This is the moment that we uh, will take a serious, you know, opportunity to consider the humble bats. The mysterious, enigmatic creatures which are all around us, eating all the bugs you don't want to eat. I believe I can fly. Nothing Woo. better than those leathery wings just flapping in the wind. The little whistle that comes
3: off of the bat wing. Found in salad mixes all across the South, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> I love the salad bat mix. It's
4: ever since favorite. I saw Three Amigos, I think I'm under the impression that bats would taste like
2: bacon. Only if you put bacon on them. Hmm. If you wrap... Oh, have you ever had a bat wrapped in bacon? It sounds good with mm-hmm. little salad drizzled on it. Mmm, good, good maple stuff. Maple syrup. Mm. Bat Appreciation Day. I mean, there's something about a bat that just ruins a you know a sleepover for a bunch of eight-year-old girls. Don't know what it is. It's just a bat, you guys. It's just a bat. It's also blah, blah, blah day. Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Thank you, Jeffrey. Um, Blah, blah, blah day is where you dig out of the blues, the blahs. If you've got the blahs, because, you know, you're, what is it, April? And you have already blown up your New Year's resolutions?
4: One of our sponsors, our previous sponsor is no longer on the show. Yeah. uh, Was uh, Bob Bob Blah Blahs. Yeah, that was a great uh, blog. Yeah, blah,
2: Blah 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 blog blah blog. Yeah. So blah 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 day. Just restart. Get out of the blues. By the way, I don't know what it is, but um I've fallen in love with this new. It's not a new app. It's an old app, but I haven't been using it for a while, and I'm back in love with it. It's not SimCity. It's. um I won't even name the name of it, but it rhymes. It rhymes with Blandora. Oh, you're talking about Schmandora? Yeah, yeah. Great app, and I'm now way into the blues. I've been listening to a lot of the blues. And you're wearing a blue shirt. Yeah. Like I, I don't know what it is. I think I'm going all retro. I've been listening to Elvis, uh, Roy Orbison, and BB King, Eric Clapton. This
4: episode of the Matt Townsend Show brought to you by the color blue. <laughs> <laughs>
2: blah blah blah. Day. Starting it all over. Hey, and for all y'all who have uh, were celebrating Easter, great Easter weekend, nothing better than playing with my grandbaby and I got, her a, I got her a duck. A big stuffed animal duck. I guess it's a duck. Yeah, it's a duck. It doesn't look like a it kinda of looks like a platypus. It looks like a squish duck. But it's a pillow. Duck, and it was beautiful. Nothing more fun than just playing with your grandbaby and your platypus squish duck. What'd you guys get your kids? A little Easter outfit. How I got Terry mine gets into the outfits. A, a t-ball
4: set. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. How fun! And then, of course, my wife decided to go in the hot tub at the same time I was taking them out to play t-ball, and so they immediately had no interest in the t-ball.
2: Oh, so your wife kind of ruined the t ball moment. Yes. So now your daughters won't be, you know, into athletics. Now they just want to sit in a hot tub with mom. Smart girls, smart girls. Terry, did you buy uh, your son a little cute
3: Easter suit and a little your daughter a little Easter dress? My, wa- I, my wife found him a, one of those zip up ties. Oh, those are the best. So yeah. he likes to wear a tie like dad.
2: Yeah. Is yours a zip up too? Then
3: no. But my wife was confused because you can always find, like, matching dresses yeah, for mom and daughter. Uh-huh. But it's hard to find the matching tie for dad and, like, the 5 There's a company that does that. Well, I know, but she's trying to find something. She wasn't really.
2: But it's probably hard to find two zip-up ties. That's yeah. the hard
3: part. So now there's some stuffed bunnies and a wagon.
2: You you just love these little holiday traditions. They're fun. Yeah. Did you mom. hide
3: Easter eggs? I yeah.
2: mean Not you. Did you help the Easter bunny hide Easter eggs? Sure. How'd that go? It
3: was great. We just waited till Sunday morning, woke up and tossed some eggs around.
5: (laughs) Just did a little egg We actually
3: colored a bunch of eggs, the hard-boiled eggs, and left them in the fridge, and then we hid the eggs that were plastic full of candy.
2: Well, I hope you're enjoying this time because our children just sleep in. Really? Yeah.
3: But they used to get up. Oh, yeah. But now it's great. You don't have to get up.
2: We used to get up and have a t-ball game. Yeah. Tons of fun. Yeah, now. Those darn hot tubs. Yeah. Just me and the five boys. My daughter would play. It was a great time. But um, I'm promised they will get older. And when they get older, guess what? You're not going to have them. Right. They could care less. We had an emergency room visit last night. Oh, nice. It wasn't an emergency. It was just uh, someone was sick hmm. with a bad cold.
3: <sighs> You're supposed to feed a cold.
2: Oh, we did. We tried. Big hoagie sandwich but he can't eat. Own. He wouldn't eat because <laughs> his throat hurt too much. So he wouldn't eat. Got to eat. You got to eat. Or they're going to stick something in your arm. Hey, um, it's why we why I brought up Easter is because many are thinking that uh, more and more people are leaving religions. They're they're moving away. A lot of the stats show that. Yep. But our guest, we're going to do a replay interview today this morning, uh, showing that some of the societal trends actually tend to be the opposite of what you're hearing. There are still a lot of people going to church. It's just the stats show a, a, an interesting change, an especially interesting in year. Easter, yeah, and Christmas, big time, yeah. For that, we'll get to all that fun. But uh, first, let's do the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what's going on around the rest of the country?
3: Vice President Mike Pence warned the era of strategic patience with North Korea is over as he kicked off his ten-day Asia tour. Nobody knows what that means. Uh, There's no clarification.
4: PGA tour or something.
3: uh, He's well a tour of Asia, but it's the era of strategic patience.
2: We're we're no longer going to wait for him to for Kim Jong Un to fly straight. He now has a nuclear weapon. We're no longer patient. Now we're going to get busy, and we're going to go to the DMZ zone and hang out and and stare him down. Look
3: at that sticker of the Redskins underneath the table.
2: TMZ. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so
3: speaking from a joint U.S.-South Korea base near the demilitarized zone separating North and South Korea on Monday, Pence said that the White House is counting on China to help ease tensions with the increasingly belligerent North Korea. The vice president comments came after North Korea's latest missile test failed, exploding only a few seconds after launch Sunday, calling North Korea's latest test a provo... provoc Provocative... provo... provoking... Provocation. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Monday Monday vocabulary test Pence said it is it is, serves as a reminder of the dangers facing the region the u.s. plans to resolve the conflict with North Korea by peaceable means or ultimately by whatever means are necessary uh, Pence also praised the ironclad alliance with the. US House of South Korea saying all options are on the table to get North Korea to halt its missile program. Pings from a cell phone owned by a Cleveland Facebook murderer, Mm. murder suspect, Steven Stevens has been detected more than 100 miles east of the city in Erie, Pennsylvania. Police said uh, they tell CNN Monday morning authorities widen their uh, warnings, widen their warnings to residents of five states, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Indiana, and New York. As they hunt for the 37 year old who shot and killed a random man in Cleveland on Easter Sunday, filmed it and uploaded it to Facebook. Wow. Facebook got once they were notified they took it down but people have taken it and they're circulating this great video to watch oh boy so uh, yeah so he killed a 74 year old man named Robert Goodwin Sr he also said that uh, he had killed 15 other people they haven't found any evidence of this but the guy originally it was that he had it live on Facebook it
2: seems like you wouldn't want to tip him off that we're tracking his phone pings good point yeah. But you know. Call me old fashioned.
3: What are you gonna do? In the aftermath fashioned. in the aftermath of the much publicized dragging of a passenger off a United Airlines flight last week, the company has changed its policy, giving crew members the authority to displace customers already on board planes. Crew members used to be able to book seats until the time of departure, but until April but in an April fourteenth internal email, United said it is changing the policy, so they must make their bookings at least an hour before departure. So you oh, know, yeah. plan ahead. Yeah. No surprises. Spokesperson told the Associated Press Sunday this change, effective immediately, is the first step in reviewing policies, and it's meant to ensure a similar situation never happens again. Over the weekend, they kicked a, uh, a couple headed on their honeymoon off a plane because oh, they sat in a different seat because some guy was sleeping in their seat, and there some <laughs> problems, So now there's more United Airlines kerfuffles. Oh, boy. Uh, Faint and the Furious yes holy Fate cow of the furious latest of the fast and the furious franchise opened with the big bang this weekend breaking the global box office and really not apologizing for doing she bang so. she bang a whopping 532 million in domestic combined domestic and international ticket sales the film beat the previous record holder star wars the force awakens which had a 529 million worldwide w- opening weekend wow the reason they beat them though is that Star Wars did not open the first weekend in China. Oh.
2: Well, China had meaner, neener.
3: China had their biggest 3-day opening with this uh, Fate of the Furious ever. Unbelievable. So they, How much a half a billion dollars. 5. Th- yeah, 532 million the first weekend. Unbelievable. They're
4: not going to make any more of those
3: movies. Not at all. Actually, there's <laughs> two more already in the works. It's a lot of furiousness. Yeah. Made 100 million in the US. So, yeah. Fate and the Furious. Yeah. What are they so mad about? They're just furious. What's, and the fate's
4: fate. You ever notice that none of the titles make any sense? Yeah. Like it's not one, two, three. It's always like some clever word play. They're going to do one in the woods. It's going to be like the fate and the furious or something like that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I heard an interview with the director and he said they it was supposed to be like red line, or that was like the original title of Faster Than Furious, is the first one. Because that's what, you know, your redline, your engine, yeah, 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 yeah. it yeah. blows up. And uh, the, the, they went, no, oh, that's not going to work. So then he came back after a weekend of thinking about it, and he told the movie companies, like, how about Fast and the Furious? And they went, no, that's kind of a dumb name. Well, let's think of something else. And, it, <laughs> it, and they came back later. Okay, let's go with that. Well, we don't have any uh, – basically, they didn't have any yeah. other options. So they went with that, and it stuck. Do, does
2: every Has every name included the Furious?
3: Yeah, it's some iteration no. of Fast and the Furious. Okay. But, I mean, it's, it's around that theme, that time, yeah. that idea.
2: Number
4: five – was just called Fast Five. Yeah, it seems a little pretentious to me, but yeah, I liked. I like it when they put Furious. Number in there. two, too fast, too furious, but
3: not too.
2: Mm. Number
4: two.
3: It was the number two. Number two. Then there was the Tokyo Drift one that no one really wants to talk about. It really wasn't
2: that good. Yeah, you can only see so many cars drifting before you just start drifting.
4: Yeah,
3: they're like, hey, drifting's a thing. Let's do that.
2: I think the the next
4: one was called. You can call me fast, and you can call me furious, but don't call me late for dinner.
2: That's a really
3: long title. It's yeah, heading I mean. in that. It's heading in that direction. Two things to keep your eyes on today. Yes, yes, yes. Both of them, if you want to do uh, that. Well, the
2: DMZ on.
4: Make sure that doesn't explode. Well, I've stood. That's in, a big thing. I've stood in huge lines at the DMZ. By the way,
3: I think <laughs> you're never thinking, ending.
2: You're, now you're thinking the DMV.
3: The the big thing today, Boston Marathon. <gasps> Today's the day. If you cool. want to just watch a bunch of people running for twenty six miles? Yeah. That all, that's all, one all, thing. All of Boston takes the day off because it's big celebration schools are out yeah so Boston Marathon also there's the White House Easter egg roll yes which is getting a lot of attention because it seemed <laughs> as if the White House was a little behind on their planning for this
2: well yeah it, in uh, years past
3: this it's on to, Monday well it's today why and last week there was a an, a tweet or something that went out from the company that makes the uh, commemorative eggs that they use that they've yeah. made for like the last decade and they're like hey if you want these eggs you got to let us know and everyone's like, do you guys even know that the Easter egg is happening? And they just recently hired a social secretary who mm, plans all these yeah. events. And so maybe they're just kind of behind a little bit. The uh, like previous years, they've invited 10,000 school kids from D.C. area schools. And there's thirty—I mean, 30,000 people are there. It's a big event. Yeah. So you kind of need to plan.
2: Yeah. You've got to get ahead of it because you've got to get the eggs boiled.
3: Right. And colored. that's like the people that work at the White House know what the schedule is. Yeah. Who's in charge changes, but the people there know it. So it's it's like you're just saying, oh, everything's messed up. But it
2: doesn't seem like President Trump would be one that would really enjoy a good Easter egg roll.
3: Who knows? Maybe.
2: What what kind of sauce do you like on your egg
4: rolls? Mm.
3: So last year, the White House Easter egg roll featured surprise visits from Beyonce, athletes from the NBA and the NFL's Washington Redskins, and a performance by the actress and singer—I can't say her name—but she's sang the Frozen theme song. Oh yeah, right. So that's, Adele. Oh, Adele. Dazeem. There you go. So big, 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 big names, big—you uh, know—acts. All this. This year, the big act for the Trump administration is the Martin Family Circus. Pardon. A, a six-person family band from Nashville that's driving up to D.C. for the annual event in an RV.
4: Okay. I would never put circus anywhere near uh, the word Trump.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, so you're not going to get Beyonce and all those others. You're going to get uh, a family circus. This is an
3: egg roll for the people. Let it roll. Let just it just roll. like the, the inauguration after. Yeah. People started saying, "No, this this is an for the people, an event for the people."
2: I, I think her name was Adina Menzel. What What did you call her? Adele dazim You and. Um, John Travolta, what's his name?
3: Well, only people that are really close to her call her that. Yeah, not even close. So we'll see how the uh, the, the new um, administration handles the Easter Egg role, which really isn't a Sean, big deal. Sean but... Spicer was in. Uh, yeah. he, he was
2: playing the Easter Bunny again.
3: Well, he did wear the Easter Bunny suit during the George W. Bush. Yeah, he did Easter great. Egg and he's back rolls. apparently. Well, at least on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, they showed him on Saturday. Night Now, uh, as of today, no word on if he will reprise his role as the Easter Bunny.
2: Well, he needs to do something after last week. He had a bad week. Yeah, he did. But I mean, she's got to feel good that he's back on SNL. No, <laughs> probably not. That's great. Well, it sounds like a great show. Well, again, why are they doing it the day after Easter? Um, just I guess because they're a little behind. Yeah. Just a little behind.
3: Well, the other side of it, it, it's a like today is a holiday, mm-hmm. or in in this in DC, the city of Washington DC, it is a, a city holiday. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. So it's not a federal holiday; it's a city, city holiday. holiday. So that's why tax day is
2: tomorrow. tomorrow. So everybody, you know, as you're enjoying your Easter egg roll in DC, make sure you get your taxes done.
3: I think you could watch it right now. I think it's uh, maybe C-SPAN. is has full coverage of the Easter egg roll because it's I believe it's going on. Well, right that's now. a must see. Yes. Must be. Must it's be. also
4: Emancipation Day. Yes. Talk about it. And I – well, I asked to be emancipated from the show for today, and I was told no. Yeah, no. No. And Sorry. I I think I might have a lawsuit coming because I think this infringes upon my religious beliefs. Um, Does that sound about right? Not really. No. It sounds well, more like a Del Mazeem. Isn't the trick to just throw out everything and hope that something
2: sticks – Well, it depends who you are. Hmm. Yeah. But uh, we'll talk to you during the break about the lawsuit. Oh, there's HR. (laughs) Good times. Good times. We will take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the triumph of faith, the myth of of religious decline, folks. Maybe it's not. Maybe people aren't falling away like you think. Stick with us. Interesting interview up next. This is The Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, for years, experts have forewarned and predicted uh, about the, about the decline in religious um, uh, beliefs and in the in in attention to uh, religious issues. Going to church, you know, becoming a part of uh, a religion, actively being involved in a religion. And uh, you know, we've even talked about it here on the show. Uh, with the millennials are also being shown to maybe be less, uh, uh, you know, active in their faith. And so we wanted to bring on a guest, uh, one of the leading researchers on the subject. His name is Dr. Rodney Stark. He's a leading expert and sociologist of religion. He explores the myth of religious decline in his book, *The Triumph of Faith*: Why the World Is More Religious Than Ever. And uh, Dr. Stark claims, contrary to the constant predictions that religion is doomed, there is an abundant evidence of an ongoing worldwide religious awakening. He joins us now to discuss his research in religious growth and what it means for our uh, spiritual and religious future. Dr. Rodney Stark, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show.
6: Delighted to be with you.
2: Great to have you. And fact or fiction, um, religion on the decline overall?
6: No, it's... World has probably never been as religious as it is now.
2: Really, what, what what's that based on? I mean, I, you hear a lot. I hear a lot about religion, but a lot of what I hear about, you know, is Islam uh, as a religion. Talk about what, the the evidence that you're seeing.
6: Well, first of all, I, I was enormously lucky. Um, the the Gallup organization uh, gave me the privilege of access to a wonderful body of data they've been collecting. It's called the Gallup Whirlpool. Hmm. started in 2005, and by now it consists of annual national surveys in 163 nations. That's 98% of the world's population. And what it shows is, uh, okay, let me just give you a couple of findings. 81% of the people on Earth... Claim to belong to one of the organized religious faiths, and many of the others claim to be attending worship services regularly. Seventy-four mm. percent say that religion is an important part of their daily lives. Fifty percent say they've been at a religious service in the past seven days. Wow! Atheists are simple, almost non-existent in most parts of the world. Five percent. Uh, uh, this it, kind of a top figure uh, um, in the majority of nations, um, including the United States, for example, uh, in in 1944 Gallup asked a national sample of Americans whether they believed in God, and four percent said no. Last year, four percent said no, hmm, so holding steady. Where is the great uh, yeah increase in in that? Wow! But <clears throat> the fact is that somehow or another. Uh, bad news is the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw it in my life as a as a, as a reporter at major net, metropolitan dailies, and the idea was that uh, man bites uh, dog bites man isn't a story. <laughs> man bites dog is a story. Yeah, but bad news was always preferred. I mean, you know, what we need is good airplane crash. I can remember saying <laughs> Yeah, where's our airplane crash? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's uh, that that all the planes landed safely wasn't a story. Hmm.
5: And and it's
6: the same in the the religious sphere. If somebody comes along and says, uh, you know, the millennials are fleeing the church, Mm -hmm. that's a big story. If I come along and say it isn't true, somehow that's not a story at all. But the fact is, in the book, I have a table that justifies this claim about the millennials. Uh, It does show, national sample, that people under 30 are substantially less likely to go to church than people over 30. And uh, I suppose, uh, you know, the problem is the data that I'm using there are from 1980. Hmm. Church attendance didn't go down. What it means is simple, that as long as we've been collecting data, we've found that people under 30 are not as good church members as older people. Let us say they sleep in Sunday morning. Yeah. They're and recovering they the radio, from
2: they Saturday. they
6: go to church.
2: That's so true. That's <laughs> this true. This has
6: been going on as long as I've been looking at data, but somehow you can't get the point through that, don't worry about it, they, they didn't leave the church. They're right. just sleeping in.
2: They're sleeping in, and then they'll have kids in about 10 years, and yeah. then they'll be you know, getting up early.
6: <laughs> right. They're not antagonistic to the church, and they're not fleeing anything. Hmm. They're just, you know... This is kind of a normal pattern that you can expect to see. Is is
2: the pattern the same um, in the United States as it is uh, across the world? I could see, you know, African countries growing in religion. I mean, I see they where, yeah. you know, but so is it is it declining in the U.S. or not at all, really?
6: No. Uh, church attendance hasn't hasn't flickered in <laughs> this country in the last 50 years.
2: Now that's for for religious folk. That's pretty good information,
6: right? Well, you know, there's something else that's kind of important here. Is that um, every ten years, a bunch of statisticians get together and look at church yearbooks and try to account the number of churches in every county in the United States and and the number of church members. And this always comes up at around fifty percent, whereas opinion polls show people about 70 percent claiming to belong to a local church. And so it's always said, look at how people lie about belonging to a church. Well, you know, we've been out looking in a few counties just to check this out. And so far in every county we've looked at, the official counts of churches are off by about 30 percent. And these aren't just a bunch of little uh, Storefronts that are being missed here in McClellan County, we found a church of three thousand that had been missed. Oh wow! So what happens, of course, is they're working from church yearbooks, and a lot of churches aren't in church yearbooks because they're non-denominational evangelical uh, uh, congregations, or or their their particular denomination is so new nobody is. but yeah. come look at them. That- and uh, so there's basically, uh, you know, if you're if you're for religion. It's mostly good news, and of course, <laughs> that's hard to get into the newspaper. No,
2: I absolutely, and it—it it seems like you know, as as the world is shifting, as you can do more things online, as you can, um, it just seems like the options for what constitutes a church are even changing. You don't have to just be—you um, can be a non-denominational, but of a very special kind of specialized type of church that fits your style more than ever before.
6: Yeah, well, Americans particularly have the have the opportunity to shop around, and they do, which is another reason that people talk about the decline of church is that they're de- the so-called mainline isn't any longer the mainline. It's been declining like mad. I mean, we're talking about the so-called liberal denominations: the United Church of Christ, the the Episcopalians, Presbyterians, Methodists. They've been declining. Uh, enormous. I mean, they've really gone down in the last 50, 60 years. But the people didn't stay home. They went somewhere else. They went
2: to other churches, other religions.
6: Yes, because Americans have got that option, and if they go to church and they don't like what's there, they go someplace else. And the problem with the liberal churches is that mostly they forgot the whole church when the people got there.
2: Hmm. It's It really is, I guess it's a testament to to the belief in God that you know, if, if I'm not getting it where I am, I'm gonna go find it wherever I can.
6: Right. And the and the reason, by the way, the church attendance is low in Europe is because they don't have the options. You know, there are state churches most places and uh, they're pretty lazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, lazy they, they, churches don't bring in members. You gotta go you gotta work at it. That's you so gotta, true. You've got to offer something when they get there. But in Germany the the clergy are civil servants and uh It says in their labor contract, they have a union. Wow. It says in their contract that if fewer than eight people show up, you don't have to preach. (laughs) Well, I don't know about you, but if I were a preacher in Germany, I'd give really rotten (laughs) sermons.
2: I was a preacher in Argentina, and we were glad if eight people showed up. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, we were excited, and we'd do whatever it took. That's interesting. Talk about the rest of the countries, Dr. Stark. What, where is the growth in the world religiously? Where? Well, there, where is it happening? some
6: enormous things going on. Latin America, it used to be that they said it was a, a 100% Catholic, and of course it wasn't. Very few people went to church. Then the Protestants got down there and started recruiting like crazy. And what, you know, the Catholic Church responded effectively with the Catholic charismatic movement. And in Latin America today, Catholic mass attendance is astonishing. We're talking 60 and 70% a week in most of those wow. countries. That's, you know, it used to be 15 That's right, yeah. And uh, uh, sub-Saharan Africa is overwhelmingly Christian, like, like 90 95%. And they go to church two, three times a week. Uh, And then there's China. There are more Christians in China today than there are members of the Communist Party. (laughs) And they're growing at a rate that if it keeps on, in another 15 years, there'll be more Christians in China than anywhere else in the world. Right now, there are about 100 million. Uh, where,
2: where are they getting their church? I mean, I, I thought churches weren't allowed in China.
6: they weren't at one time, but they are now. And, and you know, they've rebuilt tens of thousands of, uh, of Chinese folk temples and mm. uh, Buddhist temples and Confucian temples and all that sort of thing. But the, the Christians are growing. And uh, something else that people don't seem to understand religion doesn't appeal to the most uneducated poorest sector of the population but to the best educated and to the and to the more affluent and in china it's the best educated if you, if you want to find a really christian environment in in china go to the their best universities
2: mm. wow the, it's so counter traditional thought isn't it uh, well, you know, the poor, it, not it, the it rich,
6: but, but but it shouldn't have been I right. mean, uh, uh, as long as I've been, you know, sociologist of religion. We've all known that uh, church attendance was was positively related to education and income Um But, you know, somehow the word doesn't get out. And, of course, remember, the anti-religious people like to say, well, it's only dumb bunnies that go to church.
2: Right. Yeah.
6: And, uh, you know, but I'm sorry. It's, yeah. That's not the way it is. Well,
2: that's – that's that's. I think it's fantastic news. Um, we're speaking with Dr. Rodney Stark. We're going to take a break. Dr. Stark will be back. He is the Distinguished Professor of the Social sil- Sciences at Baylor University, also co-director of the university's Institute for Studies of Religion, and the founding editor of the Interdisciplinary Journal on Research on Religion. Folks, he's telling us it's a myth that uh, religion is fading – In fact, not true. It's strong and steady. And uh, we'll come back, continue this uh, interesting dialogue around uh, the triumph of faith. Stick with us, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. On the phone with us is Dr. Rodney Stark. Uh, he is the author of the book "The Triumph of Faith: Why There Is Abundant Evidence of an Ongoing Worldwide Religious Awakening." Dr. Stark uh, is um, the distinguished professor of uh, religious—I so- think it's religious sociology—from Baylor University and and sci- social sciences. He's the co-director of the university's Institute for Studies of Religion. Uh, incredibly well published, really um, a world-renowned expert in religion, and he's telling us, "Hey, we got it wrong. We we we've heard many claims that religion may be in decline, and it's not. It's you know some people are just going to different churches that maybe aren't being measured. Some are just staying home. Some of the younger generation they're not necessarily becoming." Not, you know, non religious, they're just sleeping in, and so we appreciate Dr. Rodney Stark being back with us. Thank you again.
6: Delighted to be with you.
2: This is to me so fascinating because you know, BYU, religious or a religious school and a religious organization, and sometimes you I've wonder, visited
6: there many times,
2: have you, have you, and and Baylor too. I mean, it's like we're in this weird fight where, like you were saying, you don't get media attention for the good stuff. All we hear is any potential decline, and you're you're basically confronting that with your new book, Triumph of Faith.
6: Yeah, well, <clears throat> you know the fact is the evidence is heavily on on the side of uh, of religious growth. Uh, uh, the fact is wherever you look around, I mean, <clears throat> and and there are just so many myths out there that just need to be exploded. For example, we uh, we're, we're Constantly being told that Islam is outgrowing Christianity will soon overtake it, and that's complete nonsense. It's based on way out of date data, which used to be the case that uh, um, Muslim fertility was much higher mm-hmm. than, say, Christian fertility, but it isn't any longer. Uh, in Iran, for example, they're they're below replacement level, and and the so are they in some some other uh, uh, Muslim countries uh, and anyway they they are simply not going to uh, uh, out reproduce Christians, and the fact is that there 's not a lot of conversion to Islam, and there 's an enormous amount of conversion going on to christianity hmm. um, it's uh, it's uh, it 's astonishing the levels uh, that uh, that uh, that one finds uh around the world i mean there there won 't be much more conversion in sub-Saharan Africa, because everybody's already been converted.
2: <laughs> They're all there. Uh, but, but then but then, the reproduction rates are higher, right? So right. these and, Christian and, communities and, and the, and are having
6: more is, trouble. Is, uh, you know, the conversion going on in China is of massive uh, proportions. And, and Christianity out, outnumbers uh, Islam about three and a half to two right now, and then that's not going to be reduced at all.
2: Wow is what do you see happening kind of uh, locally in the United States when you talk about immigration and diversity is uh, as far as you know you know ethnic groups, cultural groups uh, um, what's happen- what happens to the religious how how are they broken down?
6: Well so far as we've come nothing much has happened uh, uh, yes uh, you know in the middle of the 19th century. Uh, There weren't very many Catholics in the United States, and today there are, of course, uh, uh, millions of Catholics. And uh, the Hispanic population has grown, and it tends to be Catholic, although certainly not exclusively. Uh, But these are not irreligious people coming in, and consequently nothing much has really happened.
2: Hmm. Does it? Do you see any um, trends over the next five, ten, fifteen years? What do you do? You see anything, any movements, any anything happening religiously uh, with religions, organized or some of those that are not even known yet?
6: Well, the you know the, continuing the trends, uh, uh, conservative groups are growing and liberal groups are declining, but that's been going on for a century or two. Uh, it'll continue. Uh, you know, if you want people to come to church, uh, you need to go out and find them and invite them and be energetic about it. And people in the conservative churches, uh, will do that. And, and people in the more liberal churches tend not to, uh, um, ask their neighbors to church and consequently their neighbors don't come to their church. Hmm. But, uh, uh, no, it's it's you know there are a lot of variations around the country. One of the one of the things that I discovered years ago that was it was fascinating that might be interesting to your audience. Non-Mormons in Utah attend church better than non-Mormons anywhere else in the United States.
2: Really? Okay, so non-Mormons <laughs> in the state of Utah, yeah, are more I like mean, active uh, in their other
6: churches. Well, you know, I mean, it's it's like uh, there, uh, it's it, church attendance is contagious. Mm-hmm. As far what as I'm saying. Yeah, and Mormons really go to church, so the non-Mormons in, in Utah really go to church. They're
2: real church goers. No, but that's that's actually to me that's 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 healthy. I guess that's what you're seeing too. I mean, in South America, right. if there's a revival of church going, that's great because any other church in South America would benefit from. People going you know, to church. It's,
6: it, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's it's made for Look, Latin America historically re- re- relied almost entirely on foreign priests. The locals simply didn't go to seminary. Hmm. <clears throat> That's changed. Uh, men in Latin America are now going to Catholic seminaries in droves, and they're able to staff the, the local Catholic churches in Latin America with locals. It makes a big difference.
2: Yeah. Well, and um, talk about the difference going to church makes at all. Why does what, – what really is the benefits that are seen from religious involvement?
6: Well, there are a whole lot of them. For example, uh, you know, just little things. Uh, people who – church attenders are much more apt to donate blood, for example. Hmm. They're much more apt to give money to charities, and not just to their church by any means, but to, to, to any of the charities. Uh, uh, religious people, of course, are much less likely to get arrested and put in jail. <laughs> sure. The reason is they don't do the things that that you get put in jail for. I mean, it's it's.
1: So it's really po- know, it's, 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 it's pro culture. It's pro. Yeah.
6: They're more likely to read books and subscribe to newspapers. I mean, it's. Uh,
2: they're involved they're and they're probably more likely to vote they're probably more likely to be politically they are no involved
6: more likely to vote they're they're more likely to uh, uh to do all of the civic things it's uh, you know it's uh, it's uh, it really shouldn't be a secret mm-hmm. i mean you know it's a good sense should prevail and the problem is of course it doesn't make news because uh being being good to your neighbors and, and obeying the law isn't a news story.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, in fact, it's almost kind of anti-news. It's almost like yeah, because it's yeah,
6: right. I mean, if you want to get in the in the in the press, do something bad.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even on our radio show, it's hard to find. We try to find the good news and share it. Except it's so much easier to just find criminal stories that did something stupid.
6: Sure. Let's talk about uh, the. the the afflu- affluence uh-huh. kid and yeah. his, his mother—you know—they're mm-hmm. a bunch of dippies. But uh, <laughs> but you know a lot about all the good kids out there, yeah. And and, and, and most of them are
2: so true. Well, Doctor Stark, we appreciate your great work, and um, I think it is—it is a good message uh, that needs to get out there. In the end, um, you're saying there's hope. It's it's actually the numbers. Are much better than anybody would think. It's, it's, it's yeah. something that's growing. It's and staying steady, at Religion least.
6: Religion is, is alive and well. That's great news.
2: Good stuff. Well, Dr. Rodney from Baylor University, thank you for joining us.
6: I was delighted to be with you.
2: Honored God. to have you. Keep up the great work. Um, truly, that's great news. And again, it, whether you are active and religious in and in your faith, whether you attend your church or not, folks, there's a lot of great benefits that come from uh, those that, that do um, believe in religion and go to church if anything just stability how about that how about just blood in your community um, or donations uh, you know, contributions and to charities powerful stuff folks don't get in despair there's hope uh, life is good and man in China are you kidding me that's so surprising to me that it's growing there like crazy We'll take a break, folks. Come back, wrap up this first hour of the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. So... Religion, don't need to fear. People are still religious. Again, it's all about the data. Right. Everybody's got an angle on the data. I'm telling you. Trying to buy this new car and or use new car, depending. And the reality is everyone's got an angle. There's always
3: an angle. Mm. Sick of the angle. What? The angle that they would like to be paid for the product you want. Yes. Yes. Well, at least it's not like United where you could pay for a product and they just take it from you.
2: Yeah, you had it, you were sitting in it. Next thing you know, they're dragging you down the aisle.
3: Which is, I think, why that story took off the way it did is because it's like, wait, you pay for something and then they walk in and go, you. You can't have what you just paid for.
2: So
4: uh, car rental places do this too, though, where you get to the counter to come to find
2: out that your reservation has been given to somebody else. Yeah. Wait till you go to Costa Rica and they're not even sure the car you brought back is the one they gave you. Then they're like, yeah, you're going to, this is going to cost you. Well, no, this is the one we drove away in. Check your video. Do you have video of us leaving? I mean, where does this end? That, I think there is a reason why it took off the United story because people are tired of being played. Yeah. At the expense of business. Hmm. Well, they're trying to fix that, allegedly. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So we'll see where that goes. We'll see how that happens. Hey, um, a little update for us. A couple stories for you. Uh, we've talked about technology making your life easier. Yeah, it should, right? This one may be, I can see where it makes some things easier, but it also could be kind of strange. So what? we'll see. Uh, from pacemakers that keep the heart beating to swallowable sensors that you can tell when a person takes their meds. They have sensors now where the doctor will have you swallow it, it'll track your whole system all the way from Ooh, eating to, top exit, to bottom. And then they can look and see what the problem is. Okay, or, what, do
2: you, what do you do with a kid that can't swallow that pill?
3: Yeah. So says, but a growing trend in body uh, in bodily implants, inserting a computer chip under the skin is more about morphing people into literal cyborgs than addressing any medical conditions. Uh, this says, I'm turning the internet of things into the internet of us, hmm. says uh, Johan Osterlin as he was interviewed. He's the founder of Biohacks, a Swedish company that specializes in injecting small microchips about the size of a grain of rice. Under people's skins, the microchip, he says, can be programmed to speak to other network devices like coffee makers, speakers, doors, uh, uh, electronic locks. So when you walk up to a door, (laughs) you wave your hand. So you don't need a card anymore. You just wave your hand that has the microchip in it and it will open the door for you.
2: I see problems with that. You see
3: problems there? The idea is more convenient than to use your key card. Inserting by a, Inserted by a syringe into the skin between the thumb and the index finger, the chip communicates with other devices. It's a wireless way of linking devices in close proximity to each other, similar to the way Bluetooth works. Mm. What happens, like, with my key my- – when it's
2: out of battery. My key to my car is yeah, you're down on battery, so I have to, like, click it four times right. and be standing in the right space. Eventually, that's going to drive me crazy. If I have to wave my hand the right way, Yeah. then how do you get a chip out of your hand?
3: Well, you got to go in and get it.
2: Yeah. See the problem? little interrupted It used to surgery. be just a little battery change well, in, your and fo- in your—
3: You get fired. They're going to retrieve their chip. Oh,
2: we're going to need our chip.
3: <laughs> a little surgery to get out the door. <coughs> Give me a minute. <coughs> You thought it's bad if they escort you out of the building, wait till they chop your hand open to get their... uh, That's made by a company called
2: Biohacks.
3: Biohacks.
4: Jeff had a biohack once. Do you Mm -hmm. remember that, Jeff? I had some biohacks.
3: That was bad. Yeah. And this is more of a consumer alert. Okay. We do that.
2: We try to help any way we can.
3: Hackers could steal mobile phone users' pin numbers from the way their devices tilt as they use them. Researchers have claimed computer scientists at Newcastle University managed to guess four-digit pins... 70% 70% accuracy at the first attempt by using gyroscopes built into all modern smartphones. With five attempts, the team was able to correctly guess the pin 100% of the time. Oh,
2: because you kind of rotate your phone
3: as you do it? So it says the theoretical hack takes advantage of a loophole in how web browsers share data from a smartphone to websites. While sensitive information such as location requires permission... A malicious website can ask for and be given seemingly benign data, such as the device's orientation without the user being notified. Holy cow. So that information gets transmitted. They can see how you're tilting your phone. Yeah. yeah. So they can look at it on their phone and kind of match the same tilt and then guess
4: gyro hack your numbers. By the way, I think uh, it's not pronounced gyroscope, it's pronounced gyroscope.
3: It does look that way.
2: I love euros. Besides, we,
3: we had that for Easter dinner yesterday. Did you? Greek food. Uh, really good. Yummy. My, my mother-in-law just went all Greek for the whole Did you whole have day. Greek yogurt? It was there. <gasps> that's, a, that's what you put, you on, put the it on the gyro. Oh. It's really good. Uh, that is the best meal.
2: I think, honestly, that is my favorite meal.
3: They've done that for Christmas. They've done that for Thanksgiving at times.
2: Isn't this Italian music? No, we're not sure. No? I thought you said it was Greek. No, I think it's Italian. It's just whatever we need it to be on the day. It's Italian. It, oh, I want a Euro now. It's from over there. Uh, I've also been weaning off of the caffeinated beverages. How's that? Are you sleeping I've had more? two cans of Diet Coke in the weekend. Wow. And? Uh, Great.
7: Okay, great.
4: This is weird because I'm going the other way. Yeah. I was kind of, I have been weaning myself for a while, and then over the weekend I had, I think, two on Saturday and two yesterday. Holy
2: cow. I even ordered water at a restaurant, which I haven't done for millennia. Sorry, I'm not. Do you enjoy
3: the look of of disappointment from your server when you say just water? Yeah,
2: oh yeah. Yeah. They looked at us, and then we just we were almost just going to get chips and water. Ooh, just water. We we have a coupon, and we're sharing.
3: Yeah,
2: (laughs) yeah. And we, we. Have you ever seen your citizen discount? I'm paying nothing for this meal. Okay, good stuff. Okay, now I'm going to go get a euro. We'll take a break, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us, helping you be the good in the world.
0: This is the Matt Townsend
1: Show. Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at
1: Dr. Matt Show. Call
0: the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio.
2: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. This is the program where we give you the latest, greatest research and uh, ideas on how to take back your life. Today, of course, no exception, we're also celebrating Bat Appreciation Day. Uh, Not that bat, not Batman. You don't like the 60s Batman? More? No. I loved that Batman. You don't appreciate him. No, I grew up on that Batman. That guy. I always felt like a little Robin to that Batman. And I even had underoos that were Robin and Batman.
4: Had a lot of under. By the way, in the new Lego Batman movie, I yeah. love the reference that they make to the '60s Batman because he's got the sh- uh, bat repellent, shark spray, or something like that. Yeah, and he uses it. it yeah, and he's, it does work.
2: It does work. Isn't that where Aquaman came from? Terry says no because he's the only one in the room that would know where Aquaman actually came from.
4: He's holding back. Can we get him?
2: Terry, uh, where did Aquaman come from?
3: Arthur Curry. Oh, boy. Is half human, half Atlantean. Pardon? His mom was like a land dweller. His dad was the king of Atlantis. Wow. Yeah, so he ended up going back. Yeah, sort of. He goes back and... It's kind of weird because it's not Poseidon, but it's kind of around those. Maybe ideals, it was after Poseidon so. passed on. It was so he's like half fish, half man, and so he's kind of torn. That's part of the the appeal of the stories. He's kind of torn between two worlds. Mm. There's some stressors there. He has loyalty to the land, loyalty to the sea. Yeah. The land makes him him mad. He has, like, attack killer sharks that can come and help. Wow, cool. He needed the shark repellent bat spray, I think is what it's called. See, right there, a pretty good
2: example of just maybe you need to discover your hidden potential, Terry. Maybe there's something. What would
3: be my hidden potential?
2: You know, I ask one simple question. Where did Aquaman come from? Yeah. And you actually... First word I think you uttered was the guy's name,
3: Arthur Curry. Yes. See, hidden
2: What's wrong potential. With
3: that? Nothing. It's in the trailer for the Justice League movie. Yeah. Bruce Wayne walks into an That's establishment right. no. in Alaska. We got it. We get Iceland, it. Iceland or wherever it was. I'm looking yeah. for Arthur Curry. Yeah. And the whole place stops.
2: Are you done? Okay, I'm sorry. Bat Appreciation Day. Not Batman. Bat. Just like the bat, they find you find in your salad mix. That kind of bat. By the, the bacon way,
3: bat. the new Thor trailer set a record for Disney in the first twenty-four hours—the most views ever on a trailer for Disney.
2: Even more than uh, the new Star Wars trailer.
3: Well, I don't. Well, they said over that period of time.
2: I think Star Wars is on its way out because now Thor is getting better trailer views and. Fate and Furious is well,
3: getting a better launch than Star Wars. There's all like caveats. There's like it didn't. The movie didn't release no, in China. No.
2: Don't go. Don't go there. Just, it, now yeah. you're trying
3: to talk your way out of it. The story I read came the day before Star the Star Wars, Wars trailer is, came out. It's a dying franchise. No. Never
4: mind the fact that none of these movies make as much money as movies back in the '30s, where that was people's only option was to go see it in the theater. But they like Gone do- with the Wind has sold the most tickets of any uh, any movie ever.
2: Well, tickets. Yeah. But they sold yeah, them but, for like 10 cents. Right. Well, but Gone with the Wind hasn't made the most money.
3: And they also ran, Gone with the Wind ran for like five years.
2: Yeah. Well, Star Wars always does like a re-release. Yeah,
3: but it's not the same. It's not just in the theater down there for five years. By the way,
2: one thing that you're probably missing as you two are talking. yes is this wonderful music by Ron Williams. It's always playing. It's fine. John Williams' brother. Was John it Ron w- or I think it was Don? Was it Don Williams? Don Williams. Or Juan. Stars Battles. Stars Battles. Uh, this is the music made by John Williams who who created the Star Wars masterful, beautiful songs of all of the Star wars Dumb. Mm. Well, I think they
4: both pitched their respective songs. <laughs> I think you saved it. To the, yeah. to the movie producers
2: at the yeah. same time, Don and they, and went, John, with, they and, went with John. Yeah, Probably a good choice. Don was kind of the underachiever, I think, of the Williams brothers. Hmm. Anywho, I uh, got a lot to talk about today. We're going to be talking about how to discover your hidden potential. Hmm. So we're going to help Terry maybe dig deeper than Aquaman. What's wrong with that? You Nothing. Didn't, you didn't know that information. No, it's, it's information I don't know that anyone needs to know. But you asked. At By that the, moment, you like— I know. I was trying to test, just, and you okay, fell right okay. into the trap. By the way, if you do dig
4: deep enough, yeah. you'll dig right to China, where Aquaman will probably not premiere first. Yeah. So it's not going to break all the records.
3: They have a delayed it's, response. You guys now. see it's how all you work connected? Together.
2: You Once you get him thinking ticket prices, right. then this turns into just, we've lost the show. There's an
3: Aquaman movie coming out next year.
2: You know what? Again, uh, we'll put that in the Nobody Cares category.
3: Oh! <gasps> By the way,
2: there's a music group called the Aqua Bats.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: They're quite good, actually. Mm. What's their best song? Um, Not hmm. so good. Not so good, right? You can't even remember their best song. They're all just silly.
3: Are they on Pandora? Are they on
2: Pandora? Oh, yeah.
3: Probably. Aqua Bats. I'm going to look them up. Pandora's paying someone 26 cents a play. Is that Bats with a Z or an
4: S? S.
2: Okay.
4: I think they're all LDS, too. LDS Aquaman. Members Brat. of the LDS
2: Church. It's also blah, blah, blah day. So if you feel like your life is just blah and you got the blues, today's the day to discover your hidden potential. Our first guest will be talking about that.
3: Wow.
2: It's going to be awesome. So timely. So timely. So you can get out of the rut. Mm. If you're just in this rut and you're, you almost need to get retooled, maybe go from Aquaman to Batman, don't go there. I was just, I was just throwing that out there. Well, currently I'm reading. uh, Never mind. Never mind. You still have the blues. I love the blues.
7: Little
2: Jerem Jordan on the Hmm. air sax. Yeah, basically. All all saxophones, air.
4: Well, they're a wind (laughs) instrument. Yeah,
2: that's all good. We'll get into all that, plus uh, some fun stories um, from Empty News. The Matt Townsend news: purse snatcher runs into an officer's arms. I mean, Darn the left. That, that's sweet. That convenient. Yeah, that's sweet. right into oh, and the, just the hug you get. That first hug from a cop, followed by the of the yeah, handcuffs. Clink, clink. We'll get to that fun story in a minute.
3: But first to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what is going on that, uh, around the country that we need to worry about? Senator John McCain appeared on Meet the Press Sunday. He was asked about China's influence over North Korea. He said they can stop North Korea's nuclear development if they want to because of their control over the North Korean economy.
5: China is the key. They can stop this if they want to because of their control over the North Korean economy. This may be the first test of this, of this presidency, but China can shut them down. And we should be, whether they're currency manipulators or not, we should expect them to act to prevent what could be a, a cataclysmic event.
3: Over the weekend, North Korea launched a missile but failed. It failed exploding early in the flight, like five seconds not really a good show from no. the missile program in North Korea. <laughs> Vice President Mike Pence visiting South Korea today, part of his 10-day tour of Asian nations. Less than an hour after wishing Americans Happy Easter on Sunday, President Donald Trump lashed out at protesters who demanded to see his tax returns a day earlier. I did what was an almost an impossible thing to do for a Republican, easily won the Electoral College. Huh? Now tax returns are brought up again. That's off Twitter from the president. That's why wow. Cryptic to read sometimes. On Saturday, thousands across the country took to the streets to urge him to disclose his tax return, something most of his White House predecessors have done. And again, we've been through this several times now. Yeah. At least 20 people were arrested on Saturday's protests. Clashes broke out between critics and supporters of the president. There was one in Berkeley that was rather... I guess entertaining to watch as you had the pro and the against, and they just kind of went at it, punching each other in the face. <laughs> I, I don't. Know. To uh, Trump, however, the protesters were not indicative of any public discontent. They were paid protesters. Ah, someone should look into who paid for the small organized rallies yesterday. The election is over.
2: But it seems like he should like paid protesters because it's more jobs for America. Yeah,
3: he's creating more work, right? Right. Over the weekend, Times of London caused a bit of a stir in the United States. I wasn't sure if you were aware of the stir. A report that President Trump has made it clear that a ceremonial ride through London from uh, Royal Muse, you know what that is? I'm not sure what that is. A location in London to Buckingham Palace in one of Queen Elizabeth II's gilded carriages is, quote, an essential element of his state visit in October. The article was based on unidentified officials and security sources who warned that the procession would require an unprecedented monster of a security operation. These are open aired horse carriages. Wow. So they have to put people on rooftops, helicopters to secure the whole area. If the President of the United States is in a golden coach being dragged up the mall by a couple of horses, the risk factor is dramatically increased, the report said. The Queen's carriage is bulletproof, the source said, but it would not be able to put up much resistance in the face of a rocket-propelled grenade or high-powered ammunition. Armored piercing rounds would make a very bad show of things, it said. The White House has denied this report. Okay, But it kind of goes with Trump has a gilded... Like a penthouse in New York, so maybe yeah. he wants a gilded carriage ride, or gilded, excuse yeah. me, yeah, not gilded. Well, it might be gilded too. Could be, I don't know. Maybe that gilded and gilded, Freudian. Um, and finally, yes, more probably the most important news of the day so what? far: a what? Japanese snack company called Calabi is announced Monday it will stop selling 18 types of potato chips and suspend the sale of 15 more after a bad potato harvest made normal production impossible. Oh, boy. Faced with shortages of the crispy snacks, Japanese consumers have got, has since gone on a chip-buying spree, emptying store shelves and reselling bags of chips for as much as six times their normal price online. Oh, wow. A second brand uh, of chip in uh, Japan has likewise discontinued seven chip varieties, compounding the panic. The company... Uh, uses exclusively Japanese potatoes, the bulk of which are grown on a single island that was damaged by typhoons last year. Uh, Calabi was importing American potatoes to supplement its supply but decided that they are, quote, this is the part we should really focus on, they're of insufficient quality and cannot cover the deficits. The American potatoes are of insufficient quality for Japanese consumers of potato chips. Them is fighting words. I don't know.
2: Jeff, shut your mouth when you eat.
3: Now, my question is, are we sending them the worst potatoes to keep the best ones for ourselves?
2: Yeah, probably.
3: Or are they getting the same potatoes we get?
2: are we just used to inferior And we're quality? just used to you know, bad no, potatoes. No,
3: I think it's... And if that's the case, then what are they making Pringles out of? Because that's kind of not necessarily like your A-grade potato. They're kind of using yeah. something else and making a potato... Crisp of some kind. And
2: isn't it amazing how that potato in the Pringles
3: fits perfectly in your mouth? Yes. I don't think those are real potatoes. So so many questions. So many questions that come out of the story.
4: It's a lot of potatoes. What? By the way, I think this is going to be the beginning of the zombie apocalypse. Wow. What?
3: Where did that come from? I have no idea. Okay. That We're
4: talking weird. about Potatoes.
5: That went strange.
2: Favorite Pringles flavor? Um, Salt and vinegar. Mm. I like to have them at night by the campfire with the crickets just in the dark.
3: You ever had ketchup chips? No. Really good. Really? I had the same skeptical sort of response that you're having now. Where would one get a ketchup chip? They make them. Pringles makes ketchup chips. (laughs) Canada? Apparently in Canada they're huge. Well, Canada. And I've because people I've been around have gone to Canada, they bring them back and ketchup chips are really good. If Canada seems to be early adopters of things that are like
4: good and funny. Right. How did that come to be? You know, where somebody at a picnic and their their chips were mingling with the ketchup yeah, a little too closely? Don't put that ketchup on
3: my – Just take a, a plain potato chip, put yeah. some ketchup on it. It's really good. It's just like hash browns and French fries it's and all really that. You know it's mean? It's all it's the same really stuff. Not. You say that, but
2: hash browns are hash browns, and hash browns are good. But a potato chip,
3: yeah. you don't just put peanut butter on a potato I didn't say peanut butter. I said ketchup. Try ketchup. it. By you're, the way. You're knocking something you've never tried.
4: Okay. I think we have a new important news story of the day. What? Oh, no. What? Oh no. I think we just had a, an Aquabats fan walk in and out the door. <gasps> Handing Me a Paper Requesting an Aquabats Song, Captain Hampton and the Fierce Midget Pirates
2: of Willy Goat.
4: That's one of the songs (laughs) that I couldn't – it was impossible for me to
2: remember the title. Don Shaline knows the name of an Aquabats song? Of course he does. Hold on. Let me see that. That is Captain Hampton and the Fierce Midget Pirates of Willy Goat. Sounds like we just took a bunch of words and put them together. That is a is that a real name of a song? Okay, we must look this up because Captain Hampton. Okay, so just some name of a captain, right? And the fierce midget pirates of Willie Goat. Yeah, it's just sort of an ad lib situation. Just I don't think it's ad lib. That just sounds like a really weird date. Why don't, we, why don't we'll play it at the end of this hour yeah. so I can get a good chunk of that song. This is from the Aquabats. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, One story we just got to get out there while we're talking is purse snatchers run into an officer's arms and then gets arrested. A suspected purse snatcher literally ran into Port Lucie, St. Lucie's, Florida, officer's arms Uh, early Monday. Police said Brian Simianski, 33, approached a Denny's employee who was sitting in her car while the restaurant was cleaned shortly after 3 a.m., Uh, Monday police said The employee asked Semyansky if she could uh, help him And he replied, yeah This, he reportedly opened the car door Grabbed her purse And the woman fought with him Um, And then uh, the handle of the purse snapped off The man scheduled to uh, spray the restaurant for bugs Pulled up in his vehicle during the struggle Semyansky spotted the man And ran with broken purse strap to the woman's apron what That's crazy. Spot the Simeonski spotted the man, ran with the broken purse strap and the woman's apron. Had both of them, by the way. The man uh, followed Simeonski. Someone called the police who arrived just on the scene just as Simeonski was running by and he ran right into the arms of the cop. <laughs> Arrested. That was nice. They had an embrace, though. That was neat. And then don't you just think you hold him? You just give him a little bear hug. And you're like, come on,
4: pal. Everybody needs to hug a cop. Yeah. Hopefully not, you know, prior to being arrested. Yeah, or not when you're like trying to flee. By the way, uh, one of the nerd alerts that we used to play uh-huh. was by the Aquabats.
2: Really? Wait, hold on. Oh, give me a minute. The Aquabats—we've been celebrating because it's a mix of Batman and Aquaman, and today is uh, Bat Appreciation Day. There's a nerd alert. There's a nerd that's the Aquabats. Aquabats. Well, to to leave you now, we will uh, leave with one of our favorite Aquabats songs. Um, reminded uh, That was reminded us of. Um, oh darn it! We'll play it. We'll out. play it later. We'll I play promise. it later. But uh, if if you want a good Aquabats song, go check out Captain Hampton and the Fierce Midget Pirates of Willy Goat. It's not just a bad dream anymore. <laughs> It's now a song. I think the new version of that song is called uh, Little People, Billy Goat. Yeah. It probably is. The fierce little people, pirates of the Willy Goat. Uh, We'll take a break, folks. When we come back, we're going to be talking about how to discover your hidden potential, how to get out of that rut. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. People may feel like they're at a disadvantage if they pursue a new field later in life, consequently falling into career ruts and feeling pigeonholed into their career track. It's easy to get stuck or stagnant in life and not know how to keep progressing, Mind Shift by our next guest uh, is, is the book by our next guest. Barbara Oakley is a, a book solidly based on cutting edge science about how to change your brain to feel passion for learning something new and different, even uh, things that you thought you always disliked. And Barbara uh, Oakley is a professor of engineering at Oakland University in Rochester, Michigan, a visiting scholar at the University of California, San Diego. And um, is uh, joining us today on the phone, Barbara. Thank you so much for being with us today.
0: Oh, Matt, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: You bet. Great to have you. And the book, your book, Mind Shift: Break Through the Obstacles to Learning and Discover Your Hidden Potential. It, it really is. It's hard. It seems like. I mean, many people might even think impossible to to you know break these old habits or or kind of start something new especially if it's something to do something you thought you never liked or never wanted to do.
0: People really do fool themselves about what their true potential can be. I know I was one of those kinds of people. I, I just hated math and science. Actually, I, I flunked my way through elementary, middle and high school math and science. And it was only when I reached age 26, I was getting out of the military and I, I decided, well, wait a minute, I think I've kind of boxed myself into a corner because I really don't have a good professional expertise that people are looking for. I I studied language and I I learned Russian, and so I decided to see if I could retrain my brain, and and lo and behold, I could. I'm now a professor of engineering. Holy
2: cow. Yeah. But yeah, you don't. You I didn't like math. But you're a professor of engineering with a PhD.
0: Yeah, that's right. So that shows you that you can, you can just do a lot more than you think you can. And and I love math now. It's so funny to think. Uh, I remember I was actually called into the principal's office in high school because I just refused to have anything to do with it. I hated it so much.
2: Hmm. Isn't it interesting? Because. A lot of these beliefs, it seems like, are they're, they're created when we're younger, when we're more immature, when we, we don't maybe have a, a more mature way of seeing life anyway, but they stay with us a long time.
0: That's right. Um, and what they do is they kind of put us in, in little boxes about what we're capable of doing. And in the past, it's always been pretty difficult to retrain yourself anyway, because... To do it, you mostly had to stop and go to the university, and who really had the capability to do that? Um, If you had a family, it might be really difficult to do something like that. But nowadays, with the new online sources of learning, you can put your toe in the water see if you can start learning something new and different and there's even courses like the one that I helped create on learning how to learn that can help you to be more effective in in changing yourself a, as a learner
2: and and the brain will adapt you're saying because you've also you've also look at this not just as an engineering uh expert but also as a kind of a a neuroscience expert the brain will the brain will adapt the brain will change
0: it will and what's interesting is we we often tend to say oh golly you know my sister or my brother is for example much better at math or at learning languages or something like that than i am and so i just might as well not bother but even though something might take you longer to learn because you're using different neurocircuitry to get at an understanding, you can actually be more creative than your seemingly super smart brother or sister who's excelling in, in the subject. And so, uh, it's, it's how you, it's, it's a matter of persistence and, and realizing that if you can't solve something or understand something the first time you tackle it, it's, it's okay. That's yeah. perfectly normal.
2: How interesting. So you really, if, if it doesn't come easily and kind of natural to you and you're working harder at it, you may actually just be creating kind of a stronger base, more connections in the brain, more neurons connecting to different parts of the brain.
0: That's right. And an, an interesting fact from neuroscience is that when you learn something during the day and then you go to sleep at night, it's when you sleep, that's when those neural synoptic, the new synoptic connections are being created. So it's kind of like you go to sleep, you wake up, you have an upgrade. And that's why it's important to space out your learning and do a little bit every day rather than like lump it all in and cram on a Sunday night before a test on Monday or something. Because you can only grow so many synoptic connections of an evening, and if you cram, you've, you've got a weak set of connections. But if you are working every day for a while, you've got a, a much it's, – it's like instead of a, a thin little path, you've got a nice big road.
2: That, How uh, interesting. Uh, pattern. So, so slow and steady kind of wins the race, it sounds like, um, with creating neuro uh, – what, what were they called? Neurooptics?
0: Neural pathways. Pathways, yeah. So, yeah, and we often don't realize that just creating a neural chunk that is a well-practiced pattern that you can easily pop into mind can help it so that you can do better on tests and so forth. Because you just pull in some of these um, thought patterns, they become very routine for you, and you can, uh, you can. Connect them with newer ideas. So you've got, if you've practiced a lot, you can pull in the idea you've already practiced a lot with. It's very routine, and then you can do other things with that idea. It's a little bit like driving a car. When you first learn to back up a car, it is crazy.
7: Yeah, can, it's hard.
0: You're you're looking all over. Should I look in the mirror? Should I look here? Where should I go? Once you've learned to back up a car, all you have to do is think, back I'm backing up a car and or I'm going to back up and then off you go. You're backing up, you're talking to your friends, you're looking, you're maybe listening to the radio here. Yeah. And it's easy to do because you practice so much with it. So that's sometimes not emphasized enough in um in the way teachers uh, teach about uh, how to learn material.
2: So like learning, uh, and I, you know, it's really fascinating because I've seen it in my own career because I have to constantly create new content for TV or radio. Um, what I realize is that I, I every week I'm kind of learning a new chunk, but the chunk then fits into my other chunks that I've learned over time, and it starts to slowly build this really profound set of content, of information, do, we, do you think we spend enough time learning, Barbara, every day? I mean, are we all in a process of learning like we need to be?
0: Well, the answer to that, that's a really good question. I think it depends a lot because it's almost like learning is analogous to exercise. Some exercise is really good and really healthy for you. Very little exercise, not so good. Yeah. Similarly, learning—if you have a, a a lot of learning, it can actually it can burn you out. A yeah, lot.
2: exhaust you.
0: But if you have too little learning, then that that learning does a lot of beneficial things for your brain and for your body as well. It helps you to be sort of mentally nimble and flexible. And uh, so you don't turn into one of those older people who's kind of set in their ways and a little bit uh, of and so forth. It leaves you more more open and and able to integrate new ideas. And And also, it helps you to be more fun to be around because you just know more interesting things.
2: Yeah. And then I guess, so if you kind of take the learning and look at it as more of a lifestyle approach than just something we did when we were younger, this has got to be learning should be part of your day to day.
0: That's right. And particularly nowadays, because we have so much that is going on with um, artificial intelligence that 's kind of taking over and and making substantive differences in all sorts of industries and it 's not just being um, automatic cars and and taking over fast food and so forth. It's going to make differences if you're in law, if you're in medicine, if you're an engineer. So you you have to be learning all the time, no matter what you're in. And so it's it's very um, beneficial career-wise to have a sort of learning lifestyle where you you integrate some form of learning into your day-to-day activities. And of course, that is really really easy now with. With new online ways of learning,
2: and most companies, it seems like would be okay. Many even offer you access to these learning, you know, systems or to learning organizations that develop training like yours. And and so you're saying integrate into part of your professional world some form of continuous improvement, some some form of learning.
0: That's right. Um, let's say so. For example, the I I teach. Several courses um, in conjunction with a company named Coursera, and one is offered through the University of California, San Diego, and the second through McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. And these these courses are solidly research-based courses that teach you how to learn effectively and how to handle changes that are going on in your career so you can avoid ruts and so forth. But you can learn virtually anything through these kinds of online courses. If you if you need Python of programming skills, you can find a great Python course. Hmm. You can find uh, good uh, business courses and, and just uh, all sorts of great Great materials. Yeah.
2: In fact, let's do this. Let's take a break and come back, Barbara. I want you to continue teaching us what we can do professionally to um, to be able to, to know kind of where to redirect our new if – we're, if we're starting a new career, if we feel like it's time to somehow inject life back into our existing career, how do we do that uh, along with these courses? How do we know which direction to take our lives? Stick with us. We're speaking with Dr. Barbara Oakley. Um, about her book, Mind Shift, Break Through the Obstacles to Learning and Discover Your Hidden Potential. Great, uh, great insights on how to be a better person. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Do you feel like your uh, professional life has become stagnant? Have you uh, Has your progress halted? Well, it may be time to retrain and to retrain your brain and see the world maybe in a whole different light. Joining us to help us through that is Dr. Barbara Oakley. She's a, a professor of engineering at Oakley University in Rochester, Michigan, and also a visiting scholar at the University of California, San Diego. She also has a, a course on Coursera. Um, which is innovation instructor. And she, she helps people um, learn how to, how to basically learn and how to evaluate your learning lifestyle and create a learning lifestyle. She also is the author of the book Mind Shift: Break Through the Obstacles to Learning and Discover Your Hidden Potential. Dr. Oakley, thank you again for being with us.
0: Oh, it's so nice to be here, Matt.
2: Thank you. This is, um, I think it's so important. I mean, it was even last night I was talking to my 76-year-old mother who, I mean, it actually was mind-boggling how well she could run her phone considering she's, she's, she's learning at age 76 about how to put up new wallpaper on her phone and... I just sat there and I thought, it really is a day and an age where there is no end to learning. You can now do it from the comforts of your own home, which should bring excitement, except I guess a lot of people don't know where to begin, Barbara. Where do we begin in knowing how to rethink and shift our our life?
0: Well, let's see. I can't help but recommend a website called classcentral.com and... That has a wonderful review of all the online, or pretty much all the online courses that are available, so you can go and look by subject matter and see what's available from all the big course providers. I do have a, a sort of a, a preference in that I really like the the courses that are provided by a an outfit called Coursera, and they work with many of the world's, about 150 of the world's leading educational institutions like Yale and Princeton and so forth. And the nice thing about these courses is, well, you can uh, you can be pretty sure that they're high quality. They're not someone who's just sort of coming up with something that's not research-based and so forth. They're very high um, level of academic rigor at the same time that they're they're often just really fun and interesting and fascinating so that's a class central i think is a really good way to start and particularly focusing on coursera's courses um my my two courses are um i teach with terence sanowski he's the francis crick professor at the Salk institute and they are learning how to learn which is that's pretty much a, a, a great starter course for anyone who wants to retool their life mm. and, and learn something new no matter what age they are. And the second is Mind Shift. Um, and of course, my book is about exactly that as, uh, as well. And the book goes deeper into, well, I got to travel all over the world to meet really cool learners who have made significant changes in their lives things they thought they could never do and just reading about these kinds of of inspirational stories can give you a lot of ideas it's always hard to to guide someone about how they could or should change in part because there there's so many different ways you can go and often you can go you can change much more than you ever think you can. You can you, you can kind of dream big. And uh so at any rate in the book I was able to well for the book I met many of the the world's leading neuroscientists and or some of them and, and discussed what they're doing um and how their research provides insight onto how we can learn more effectively even as we grow, you know, pretty old. Uh, interestingly enough, one of the most beneficial things we can do to help keep our our sharpness even in our 90s is to play action-style video games.
2: Really? Action-style <laughs> video games help keep you fresh.
0: Isn't that funny? That's it's great we tell kids no no don't <laughs> do that and uh, but and they also improve your eyesight uh, even so that you can read pill bottles better you you can see that deer that's just jumping out of the the edge of the road uh, yeah. and react more quickly so that's a a great thing uh, to do is is playing action video games in fact some of the first ones are going up for potential FDA approval. really? Can you can you imagine that? You so it's a treatment
2: process, is, some kind uh, of a treatment.
0: Yes. So <laughs> your brain is kind of like getting a little, you know, lax with age and so forth. Well, they could prescribe you a video game. and uh,
2: How great uh, is that? I mean, this is an interesting, this is where maybe grandkids could come in and play with grandma and grandpa, teach them how to play.
0: Exactly. How neat right. would that be? And it's actually it's fun too because you get to interact together. And if you play some of these video games, you'll see just how how much sort of team spirit there yeah. actually is in them. it's a, it's something that could be really fun to do as a family.
2: I love that idea too, and boy, what a generational skip! Where the parents that complain about the kids playing too much, and the grandparents that need more of that play—what a what a great combination!
0: <laughs> that it, and it, what's fun too is the kids can kind of feel like, well, I've got something to contribute, right. uh, instead of the other way around, as it often is.
2: Yeah, so true. What? Um, because I guess what you're saying to us, Barbara, is there's so many options out there and opportunities. If I'm somebody, let's say I'm working in a sales force and I'm just getting burnt out, I'm tired of selling what I what I do every day, but I could go home at night and maybe just slowly open up a course on one of these sites, Class Central or Coursera or wherever, and start learning. If I've always wanted to be a photographer, I could go start taking photography classes, or um, you know, learning how to work, you know, um and, and and color the pictures and manage the pictures better in some software program. You're just saying start doing what you're passionate about, do it on the side, do it slowly, let it grow slowly in you, and then I guess see where it takes you.
0: You are so right, and I love how you use that word slowly. I think one of the biggest challenges I had initially when I just thought I couldn't learn math and science when I was growing up was I always thought, gosh, if I just sit down and try to solve this problem and I can't solve it or understand this concept, that I must be stupid, yeah. uh, that I have no talent for math. And that's that's actually not true at all, That's your brain oftentimes needs to be presented with the material, and then you have to back away, do something different, take a break or whatever, and come back, and then it will click. And this is a kind of a slower process. But if you set things up, So you can take your time as you're learning, which you can with the online learning materials. You can learn virtually anything, and especially things that you're really passionate about. There's just so much. Oh, photography courses, there's some fantastic material out there.
2: Mm. I, I got my PhD program. I mean, I got my PhD doing a program where you were supposed to learn to be a scholar, so learn to think kind of in a... In uh, the scientific methodology, and and um, think kind of in a scholarly way, but also as a practitioner. Where simultaneously, I was supposed to be practicing it. What what are the benefits of being a, a learner, practitioner, and practicing and learning and learning and 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 doing this over time? I mean, one thing you mentioned earlier is that as I learn a skill, I I can then add to that skill the next week, and then keep adding and adding and adding um so it becomes it becomes you know just a basis of upon which i will grow everything else what are other benefits of learning and practicing and learning and practicing
0: well that is really you put your finger exactly on what it takes to truly learn the material you need to be actively engaging actively doing something for example, in my engineering classes, uh, I had a student who came up and he was like, "Oh, I'm doing so terrible. I, I, it's because I I can't really understand you very well." Um, he was um, he was he spoke English as an additional language, and it turns out he understood me really well, and he actually spoke English very well. His real challenge was he didn't know to actively grapple with the material. So when I'd say. Uh, stop now and uh, in a video and work the work this problem yourself. He'd say, Ah, I got it, and he'd skip right over it. Mm. And once we figured this problem out in his learning that he was he was just kind of thinking he got it and he understood it and he wasn't actively doing it. Then all of a sudden, his grades just bumped right up. Mm. So actively involving yourself with the materials—it's amazing what you can learn. Um, online, for example, the, I believe it was the um, gold medal winner in javelin throw in the most recent Olympics. He couldn't afford to go to any of the, you know, the meets overseas or anything. He was, he was from a disadvantaged background, so he just watched YouTube videos huh. and taught himself the great techniques and ended up winning the gold medal.
7: Unbelievable.
0: So what, what is available now for you to learn from, if you're willing to actively engage with it, is unbelievable.
2: That's so great. What a great story. Um, as we wrap up, talk about what learning does to us for our health. I mean learning makes us happier doesn't it growing and learning and developing makes us happier you also said it makes us it makes us less of a curmudgeon we're actually more adaptable we're fun to be around but does it really impact our health
0: It does there's evidence that when you when you for example if you read a book for 3 hours or so a week your your lifespan is extended you know, in the big study that they did, it looks like it extends your life for around three years Holy on cow. average. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. But what learning does is it, you have new neurons being born every day in your hippocampus. But if you're not learning anything new, it's like there's no trellis there, so the vines just die. Hmm. But if you're learning new things, then the new neurons have something to link onto and they... They grow and they thrive. So what learning does is it gives you this sort of um, neural reserve of, of extra neurons and extra synoptic connections that helps to as you age and you lose some of those connections. Well, you've got new ones coming on board, and so it helps. It helps so that you maintain your your smartness and your mental acuity. And you're not just kind of getting, you know, kind of losing it a little bit as you get older, but instead you're maintaining everything that you had and even more.
2: Mm, Great, great, uh, great insight. Well, Barbara, thank you for your time, your great work um, on helping us. Create that mind shift and have that lifelong learning. Mind Shift is the name of her book, Break Through the Obstacles to Learning and Discover Your Hidden Potential. Just Google Barbara Oakley and you can, you'll be able to get to her, her classes, those trainings that she's, she's designed um, to help you become a lifelong learner. Wonderful insight, folks. Helping you be the good in the world and a lot of times it just takes some learning and a, a consistent path of, of uh, learning. Something you, something, something you're interested in anyway, right? We'll take a break. We'll be back. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, lots of ways to find passion and excitement in your life. One way, I guess, is some continuous learning. But Terry,
3: might, uh, Terry brings up the idea that maybe it's just having a really good name. Just having a good name or a name. Any name. Oh, That's good. This guy's name is Joe McGrath. McGrath. He got on Facebook last week, and there was uh, some notification he had about a free trip to Spain. Now, if yeah. you jump on Facebook and there's a little message saying, hey, free trip to Spain, what do you think that is? Uh, It's a ploy to get you to buy some direct sale. Yeah, or someone trying to steal your personal information or something. It says, but the 21-year-old Manchester, England resident thought it sounded like a hoax, but he said the invitation kept replaying in his head. And soon he found himself on the phone with a man who sounded quite ingenious. A group had planned a surprise trip to uh, Majorca for a friend's 30th birthday. Is it an island or – I think it is. I think it is. And the man sounded quite genuine. They planned this trip for the guy's 30th birthday, but their friend Joe McGrath wasn't able to go. So and they didn't want to, you know, have <laughs> to get back the plane ticket or hotel room that was already in his name go to let it go to waste. So they messaged 15 other Joe McGraths on Facebook, and only one was stupid enough to reply and he goes, "That was me. I I'd, <laughs> I'd love to go." So they went on this trip with perfect strangers. He goes, but the fake, fake Joe is the birthday group reportedly took to calling him. Talked it over with his uh, girlfriend and boss, and decided to take the leap and enjoy the three day trip. According to the local newspaper, how cool host. for him! He scored. So he, now that he's back, he says he has ten friends from Bristol, a city about three hours south of him, where an absolutely lovely group of people, and he's planning to invite them to Manchester for a thank you night out.
2: Holy cow! That's great. It's good. It's good to have. It's good to have friends, and it's good to have the right name. And with the right name, maybe you'll just go meet a whole new group of friends and know what happens if they don't need the other McGrath. Maybe they don't need him anymore.
3: Well, he's fake Joe. The other yeah. guy's real Joe. Yeah.
2: Mm. See how this works?
3: Joe 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 Joe, Joe,
2: Joe,
4: Joe, 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 uh, Joe, Joe, Maybe do do that.
2: We're treading water on that one. That's kind of awkward. Okay, folks, we'll take a break. This is the Mad Townsend Show. Stick with us one more hour straight ahead.
0: Townsend
1: Show. Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter
1: at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show
0: at one chat byu
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend.
2: Now on BYU Radio.
3: BYU Radio.
2: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. This is the program where we give you the latest, greatest research and uh, ideas on how to take back your life. Today, of course, no exception. We're also celebrating Bat Appreciation Day. Uh, not that bat. Not Batman. You don't like the 60s Batman? More? No. I love that You don't Batman. appreciate him. No, I grew up on that Batman. That guy. I always felt like a little Robin to that Batman. And I even had underoos that were Robin and Batman. Had
4: a lot of under. By the way, in the new Lego Batman movie, I yeah. love the reference that they make to the 60s Batman because he's got the sh- uh, bat repellent shark spray or something like that. Yeah. And, and he, he uses is. it. Yeah. And he's, it does work. It does
2: work. Isn't that where Aquaman came from? Terry says no because he's the only one in the room that would know where Aquaman actually came from. He's holding back. Can we get him? Terry, uh, where did Aquaman come from?
3: Arthur Curry. Oh, boy. Is half human, half Atlantean. Pardon? His mom was like a land dweller. His dad was the king of Atlantis. Wow. Yeah, so he ended up going Poseidon? back. Yeah, sort of. He goes back and... It's kind of weird because it's, it's not Poseidon, but it's kind of around those. Maybe ideals, it was after Poseidon so. passed on. It was so he's like half fish, half man, and so he's kind of torn. That's part of the the appeal of the stories. Is kind of torn between two worlds. Mm. There's some stressors there. He has loyalty to the land, loyalty to the sea. Yeah. The land makes him him mad. He has, like, attack killer sharks that can come and help. Wow, cool.
2: He needed the shark repellent bat spray, I think is what it's called. See, right there, a pretty good example of just maybe you need to discover your hidden potential, Terry. Maybe there's something.
3: What would be my hidden potential?
2: You know, I ask one simple question. Where did Aquaman come from? Yeah. And you actually... First word I think you uttered was the guy's name.
3: Arthur Curry. Yes. See, hidden What's wrong potential. With that? Nothing. It's in the trailer for the Justice League movie. Yeah. Bruce Wayne walks into an That's establishment right. no. in Alaska. We got it. We get Iceland, it. Iceland or wherever it was. I'm looking yeah. for Arthur Curry. Yeah. And the whole place stops. <gasps> Are you done?
2: Okay, I'm sorry. Bat Appreciation Day. Not Batman. Bat. Just like the bat they find you find in your salad mix, that kind of bat.
4: By the, the bacon way,
3: bat. the new Thor trailer set a record for Disney in the first twenty-four hours—the most views ever on a trailer for Disney.
4: Even more than
2: uh, the new Star Wars trailer.
3: Well, I don't. Well, they said over that period of time.
2: I think Star Wars is on its way out because now Thor is getting better trailer views and. Fate and Furious is well, getting a better
3: launch than Star Wars. There's all, like, caveats. There's, like, it didn't. the movie didn't release no, in China. No.
2: Don't go, don't go there. Just, it, now yeah. you're trying
3: to talk your way out of it. The story I read came the day before Star the Star Wars, Wars trailer is, came out. It's a dying franchise. No. Never
4: mind the fact that none of these movies make as much money as movies back in the 30s, where that was all, people's only option was to go see it in the theater. But they like Gone with the Wind has sold the most tickets of any any movie ever. Well,
2: tickets.
3: Yeah. But they sold yeah, them well, for like 10 cents. Right.
2: Well, but Gone with the Wind hasn't made the most
3: money. And they also ran, Gone with the Wind ran for like five years.
2: Yeah. Well, Star Wars always does like a re-release. Yeah, but it's not the same. It's not just in the theater
3: down there for five years. By the way,
2: one thing that you're probably missing as you two are talking. Yes is this wonderful music by Ron Williams. It's always playing. It's fine. John Williams' brother. Was John it Ron Wh- or... I think it was Don. Was it Don Williams? Don Williams. Or Juan. Stars Battles. Stars Battles. Uh, this is the music made by John Williams, who, who created the Star Wars... Masterful, beautiful songs of all of the Star Wars. Dumb. Well, I think they both
4: pitched their respective songs. (laughs) You saved it to the to the movie producers at the same time. Don John went with John. Yeah,
2: probably a good choice. Don was kind of the underachiever, I think, of the Williams brothers. Mm. Anywho, I got a lot to talk about today. We're going to be talking about how to discover your hidden potential. Mm. So we're going to help Terry maybe dig deeper than Aquaman. What's wrong with that? You Nothing. Didn't, you didn't know that information. No, it's it's information I don't know that anyone needs to know. But you asked at
3: By that the, moment. You like,
2: know, I was trying to test, and just, you I fell right into the trap.
4: By the way, if you do dig deep enough, yeah. you'll dig right to China, where Aquaman will probably not premiere
2: first. Yeah, so it's not going to break all the records.
3: They have a delayed response. You guys see it's how all you were connected. Together?
2: you once you get him thinking ticket prices right. then this turns into just we've lost the show there's an
3: aquaman movie coming out next year
2: you know what again uh, we'll put that in the nobody cares category
3: <gasps> by the way so rude. <laughs>
2: there's a music group called the aqua bats
3: yeah absolutely
2: they're quite good actually mm. what's their best song um not hmm. so good not so good right you can't even remember their best song they're all just silly, Are they
3: on Pandora? Silly Are they on Pandora? Oh, yeah. Probably. Aquabats. I'm going to look them up. Pandora's paying someone 26 cents a play. Is that bats with a Z or an S? S.
2: Okay. I think they're all LDS, too. LDS Aquabats. Members of the LDS Church. It's also blah, blah, blah day. So if you feel like your life is just blah and you got the blues, today's the day to discover your hidden potential. Our first guest will be talking about that. Wow. Well. It's gonna be awesome. So timely. So timely. So you can get out of the rut. Mm. If you're just in this rut, and you're, you almost need to get retooled, maybe go from Aquaman to Batman. Don't go there. I was just I was just throwing that out there. Well, currently I'm reading. Uh, never mind. Never mind. You still have the blues. I love the blues. <laughs> Little Jerem Jordan on the hmm.
3: air sax. Yeah, basically.
2: Aren't all saxophones,
4: air. Mm. Well, they're a wind instrument. Yeah,
2: that's all good. We'll get into all that, plus uh, some fun stories um, from Empty News, the Matt Townsend news. Per snatcher runs into an officer's arms. Well, Darn the left! That yeah, that's sweet. That's right into, oh, and the just the hug you get that first hug from a cop, followed by the of the yeah, handcuffs. Clink, clink. We'll get to that fun story in a minute. But
3: first to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what is going on that,
2: uh, around the country that we need to worry about?
3: Senator John McCain appeared on Meet the Press Sunday. He was asked about China's influence over North Korea. He said they can stop North Korea's nuclear development if they want to because of their control over the North Korean economy.
5: China is the key. They can stop this if they want to because of their control over the North Korean economy. This may be the first test of this, of this presidency, but China can shut them down and we should be, whether they're currency manipulators or not, we should expect them to act to prevent what could be a, a cataclysmic event.
3: Over the weekend, North Korea launched a missile but failed. It failed exploding early in the flight, like five seconds. Not really a good show from no. the missile program in North Korea. <laughs> Vice President Mike Pence visiting South Korea today, part of his 10-day tour of Asian nations. Less than an hour after wishing Americans Happy Easter on Sunday, President Donald Trump lashed out at protesters who demanded to see his tax returns a day earlier. I did what was an almost an impossible thing to do for a Republican, easily won the Electoral College. Huh? Now tax returns are brought up again. That's off Twitter from the president. That's wow cryptic to read sometimes. On Saturday, thousands across the country took to the streets to urge him to disclose his tax return, something most of his White House predecessors have done. And again, we've been through this several times now. Yeah. At least 20 people were arrested on Saturday's protests. Clashes broke out between critics and supporters of the president. There was one in Berkeley that was rather i guess entertaining to watch as you had the pro and the against and they just kind of went at it punching each other in the face I, <laughs> I don't to uh trump however the protesters were not indicative of any public discontent they were paid protesters ah someone should look into who paid for the small organized rallies yesterday the election is over but
2: it seems like he should like paid protesters because it's more jobs for america yeah
3: he's creating more work right right over the weekend, Times of London caused a bit of a stir in the United States. I wasn't sure if you were aware of the stir. A report that President Trump has made it clear that a ceremonial ride through London from uh, Royal Mews, you know what that is? I'm not sure what that is. A location in London no. to Buckingham Palace in one of Queen Elizabeth II's gilded carriages is, quote, an essential element of his state visit in October. The article was based on unidentified officials and security sources who warned that the procession would require an unprecedented monster of a security operation. These are open-air horse carriages. Wow. Wow. So they have to put people on rooftops, helicopters to secure the whole area. If the president of the United States is in a golden coach being dragged up the mall by a couple of horses, the risk factor is dramatically increased, the report said. The Queen's carriage is bulletproof, the source said, but it would not be able to put up much resistance in the face of a rocket-propelled grenade or high-powered ammunition. Armored piercing rounds would make a very bad show of things, it said. The White House has denied this report. Okay. But it kind of goes with Trump has a gilded... Like a penthouse in New York, so maybe yeah. he wants a gilded carriage ride. Or gilded, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Not gilded. Well, it might be gilded, <laughs> too. Could be. I don't know. Maybe Gilded and gilded. Freudian. Um, and finally. Yes. More, probably the most important news of the day so what? far. A what? Japanese snack company called Calabi is announced Monday it will stop selling 18 types of potato chips and suspend the sale of 15 more after a bad potato harvest made normal production impossible. Oh, boy. Faced with shortages of the crispy snacks, Japanese consumers have got, has since gone on a chip-buying spree, emptying store shelves and reselling bags of chips for as much as six times their normal price online. Oh, wow. A second brand uh, of chip in uh, Japan has likewise discontinued seven chip varieties, compounding the panic. The company... Uh, uses exclusively Japanese potatoes, the bulk of which are grown on a single island that was damaged by typhoons last year. Uh, Calabi was importing American potatoes to supplement its supply, but decided that they are, quote, this is the part we should really focus on, they're of insufficient quality and cannot cover the deficits. The American Uh. potatoes are of insufficient quality for Japanese consumers of potato chips. Them is fighting words. I don't know.
2: Jeff, shut your mouth when you eat.
3: Now, my question is, are we sending them the worst potatoes to keep the best ones for ourselves?
2: Yeah, probably.
3: Or are they getting the same potatoes we get?
2: are we just used to inferior And we're just used to bad potatoes. No, I
3: think it's... And if that's the case, then what are they making Pringles out of? Because that's kind of not necessarily like your A-grade potato. They're kind of using something else and making a potato... Crisp of some kind. And
2: isn't it amazing how that potato in the Pringles fits
3: perfectly in your mouth? Yes. I don't think those are real potatoes. So, so many questions. So many questions that come out of the story. It's a
4: lot of potatoes. What? By the way, I think this is going to be the beginning of the zombie
3: apocalypse. Wow. What? Where did that come from? I have no idea. Okay. That We're talking weird. about Potatoes. That
2: went strange. Favorite Pringles flavor? Um, Salt and vinegar. Mm. I like to have them at night by the campfire with the crickets just in the dark.
3: You ever had ketchup chips? No. Really good. Really? I had the same skeptical sort of response that you're having now. Where would one get a ketchup chip? They make them. Pringles makes ketchup chips. (laughs) Canada. Apparently, in Canada, they're huge. Well, Canada. And I've because people I've been around have gone to Canada. They bring them back, and ketchup chips are really good. If Canada seems to be early adopters of things that are like
4: good and funny. Right? How did that come to be? You know, did, were somebody at a picnic and their their chips were mingling with the ketchup yeah, a little too closely? Don't put that ketchup on
3: my. Just just take a, a plain potato chip, put yeah. some ketchup on it. It's really good. It's just like hash browns and French fries it's and all really that. You not. Know what I mean? It's all the it's same really stuff. Not. You say that, but
2: hash browns are hash browns, and hash browns are good. But a potato chip, yeah.
3: you don't just put peanut butter on a potato I didn't say or, peanut butter. I said ketchup. Try ketchup. it. By you're, the way. You're knocking something you've never tried.
4: Okay. I think we have a new important news story of the day. What? Oh, no. What? Oh, no. I think we just had a, an Aquabats fan walk in and out the door. <gasps> Handing Me a Paper Requesting an Aquabats Song, Captain Hampton and the Fierce Midget Pirates of Willy Goat. That's one of the songs (laughs) that I couldn't – it was impossible for me to
2: remember the title. Don Shaline knows the name of an Aquabats song? Of course he does. Hold on. Let me see that. That is Captain Hampton and the Fierce Midget Pirates of Willy Goat. Sounds like we just took a bunch of words and put them together. That is a Is that a real name of a song? Okay. We must look this up because Captain Hampton. Okay. So just some name of a captain. Right. And the fierce midget pirates of Willie Goat. Yeah. It's just sort of an ad lib situation. Just I don't think it's ad lib. That just sounds like a really weird date. Why, do we, why don't we we'll play it at the end of this hour yeah. so I can get a good chunk of that song. This is from the Aquabats. Um Yeah. Uh, one story we just got to get out there while we're talking is purse snatchers run into an officer's arms and then gets arrested. A suspected purse snatcher literally ran into Port Lucy, St. Lucie, St. Lucie's Florida, officer's arms uh, early Monday. Police said Brian Simiansky, C- 33, approached a Denny's employee who was sitting in her car while the restaurant was cleaned shortly after 3 a.m., uh, Monday, police said the employee asked Simienski if she could uh, help him. And he replied, yeah, this. He reportedly opened the car door, grabbed her purse and the woman fought with him. Um, and then uh, the handle of the purse snapped off. The man scheduled to uh, spray the restaurant for bugs, pulled up in his vehicle during the struggle. Simienski spotted the man and ran with broken purse strap to the woman's apron. What? That's crazy. Spot. Szymanski spotted the man, ran with the broken purse strap and the woman's apron. Had both of them, by the way. The man uh, followed Szymanski. Someone called the police who arrived just on the scene just as Szymanski was running by, and he ran right into the arms of the cop. <laughs> Arrested. That was nice they had an embrace, though. That was neat. And then don't you just think you hold him? You just give him a little bear hug, and you're like, come on, pal. Everybody needs to hug a cop. Yeah. Hopefully,
4: not, you know, prior to being arrested. Yeah, or not when you're like trying to flee. By the way, uh, one of the nerd alerts that we used to play Uh was by the Aquabats.
2: Really? Wait, hold on. Oh, give me a minute. The Aquabats, we've been celebrating because it's a mix of Batman and Aquaman, and today is uh, Bat Appreciation Day. That's the Aquabats. Aquabats. Well, to to leave you now, we will uh, leave with one of our favorite Aquabats songs. Um, reminded That was reminded us of. Um, oh darn it! We're we'll play it. We'll it. play it later. We'll I play promise. it later. But uh, if if you want a good Aquabats song, go check out Captain Hampton and the Fierce Midget Pirates of Willy Goat. It's not just a bad dream anymore. <laughs> It's now a song. I think the new version of that song is called uh, Little People, Billy Goat. Yeah, it probably is. The fierce little people, pirates of the willy goat. Uh, We'll take a break, folks. When we come back, we're going to be talking about how to discover your hidden potential, how to get out of that rut. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, you probably can't forget the sound of whispers and giggles that filled the halls in high school. And after thinking it would, you know, go away after, you know, you graduated, you were probably disappointed to hear the exact same kinds of whisperings and giggles filling cubicles at the workplace. Gossip seems like almost an innate part of human nature, and no matter how hard you try, you can't seem to escape it. Whether it's whispers among coworkers or pictures filling the tabloids, we all know gossip can be damaging. It can burn bridges, hurt feelings, maybe kill reputations. But is it possible that gossiping can actually be good for us, too? Dr. Frank McAndrew, evolutionary social psychologist from Knox College, uh, joins us today from Illinois to explain why he thinks gossiping is not necessarily a character flaw. Dr. Frank McAndrew, welcome to the show, my friend.
8: Thanks, Matt. I'm happy to be here.
2: Great to have you. I, to me, I, I love this topic, and I've always loved it. Just even since studying it back in college, we we automatically have this kind of view of gossip. It's just wrong. It's mean. But but talk to us. Evolutionarily, it's it's been a part of our history for uh, forever.
8: Right. Yes. It's, it's uh, we talk about it sometimes as if it's possible not to do it. Right. And it you might as well ask people to stop breathing. It, it really <laughs> is a part of who we are, and we really don't have a choice. And I think it's gotten such a bad reputation because people have a very restricted idea about what it is. Yeah. Um, first of all, they think it's something other people do when they gossip. They're just sharing information or looking out for somebody's well-being. They would never apply the G word to themselves. Right. But um, also, we tend to focus on the negative stuff. And I don't deny that gossip can be used as a weapon. It can destroy reputations. Backstabbing can happen. Um, But that's not all there is to it. Whenever you're talking about other people and sharing information about them, um, you're gossiping. And sometimes that is very harmless. And when you're speculating about who's up for the next promotion, you're gossiping, but you're not necessarily saying bad things about people or sharing negative information. Hmm.
2: That's, and that's an important distinction, right? Because we're human creatures, we're social creatures, we need information. So sharing of information can also be neutral.
8: Right. And it can actually, even if you're sharing negative information, it can be serving a greater good. Uh, in some ways... Knowing that other people are monitoring your reputation and talking about you makes you be a better person. Hmm. At work, if you're tempted to kind of slack off and let other people do your your work for them and cut corners wherever you can, knowing that people are going to be paying attention to that and spreading your reputation around forces you to do what you're supposed to do. So a lot of gossip, it's always perceived as negative by the person who's the target of it, but in, in fact can serve a greater good.
2: Hmm. That's a really interesting way to look at it. That it's because it also keeps you in check, right? It keeps you doing your social good as well, being being a part of the team.
8: Well, that's right, and it helps you learn how to be part of a team Uh, when you're the new person hired at a job. There are a lot of things people don't tell you. You know, how casually can you dress? Um, Can you call the boss by his or her first name? Uh, Is it okay to just run out of work as soon as quitting time comes or are you supposed to hang around a little bit? And by tuning in to hear what people are saying about other people, uh, you learn the rules informally, the things that nobody's going to come right out and say to you. So it's a way of socializing people into the life of the group and getting them to do what the group wants them to do.
2: Yeah, It's interesting as I sit in interviews uh, for our staff, I can't you know there's certain things you just can't say but they they're they're implied they're noted they they become part of just the culture don't they
8: they do that's right and because nobody comes out and says them how do you learn them right unless other people are talking about people <laughs> and what happens when they don't play by the rules
2: so so really
8: um
2: it's it's just it's just another level of information and i guess what makes gossip less, of, less healthy is when it's untrue, when, it's, when we're trying to use it to manipulate or, and, or harm someone.
8: That's right. Uh, the kind of gossip that we all disapprove of and the kind of gossip you don't want to be thought of as sharing is the stuff that really has no redeeming value whatsoever except helping you get ahead, um, serving your own selfish interests. Everybody frowns on that. And being a bad gossiper um, means that you're very transparent about this sort of thing, and you're spreading mean-spirited information that doesn't do anybody any good except yourself, and everybody sees right through it. And another thing that makes a person a bad gossiper is you're very indiscreet about who you share information with and when. Hmm. Um, If you're a blabbermouth that just repeats everything you hear, nobody's going to share information with you. So uh, when I refer to it as a social skill... What I'm referring to is the fact that it is important to be part of the gossip network, but it's also important to understand the difference between being a good and bad gossiper.
2: Mm, good, good. In fact, let's get into that. I mean, I guess that's one of the benefits of if someone's a gossiper, a bad gossiper, or a negative gossiper, they're going to be gossiped about anyway. So the right. the system itself will control itself.
8: That's exactly right. Uh, yeah, you can gossip about people being bad gossipers and um <laughs> So Whether so what what
2: give go give ahead. us the rules go into the rules for us like what is what is the good what you know how to do this in the healthiest way
8: Well I think the first thing is to recognize that gossip is a normal part of social life and by being part of the gossip network at work or wherever you happen to be is not necessarily a failing on your part When somebody shares gossip with you it's a sign of trust what they're saying is look I respect you, I think of you as a colleague and friend, I trust that you're not going to use this information in some way that's going to come back to harm me, and it's a sign of inclusion. By cutting yourself off and saying, I do not want to be part of the gossip network here, what you're really saying is, I don't want to be part of your group, I don't trust you, I don't want you to trust me. Mm -hmm. And nobody wants to be in that situation in their day-to-day life when they're just trying to go about their business. And so the first thing to do is not be a holier-than-thou person that somehow thinks that because somebody else is gossiping, they're a bad person. You're gossiping too, you just don't recognize
2: it. Is there a benefit to, to being a part of, I guess, being willing to hear it but not spread it?
8: Well, yes. I, I think that might be uh, a way to get... On the other hand, there is a sor- certain sort of reciprocity thing that we feel. Okay, if yeah. If somebody does a favor for me, I feel obligated to do a favor for them. So the person that just soaks up the gossip and never shares anything is going to be suspicious mm-hmm. because they're not playing by the rules. And uh, the skill comes then, if you are going to be part of the gossip network, uh, to be very discreet. Don't share something unless it absolutely has to be shared. Don't use gossip in a way that is only for your benefit. Be looking out for the well-being of the group as a whole. So there are guidelines we can follow. Mm.
2: Does um, I guess uh, could, could we push back on the gossip or the gossiper? So if someone's sharing something with me in confidence, can I push back on it and say that doesn't seem complete? That doesn't you know what I mean? And and basically try to create a cleaner version.
8: Sure, absolutely you can. Um, because the goal, really, the reason people are tuning into this the grapevine is to know what's going on. And to make every attempt you can to make sure that the information that's being transmitted is accurate, there's nothing wrong with that at all.
7: Mm -hmm. And uh,
8: so, sure, if you're you're suspicious that what somebody's saying isn't true, call them on it. Ask why they're saying that. You know, um, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it seems like, too, that there's some things that, even if it's true, even if it's gossip, that it's just still not worth – like, why are we sharing this?
8: Well, that's right. Uh, Another – Guideline would be to be sharing gossip that's relevant to the situation. Yeah, and so if you're at work uh, and somebody's engaging in some behavior that's counterproductive at work or hurting the their coworkers, that's something that would probably be legitimate to talk right. about. On the other hand, talking about what this person is doing in their personal life that is totally removed from the workplace is probably out of bounds.
2: Interesting. Interesting stuff. We're speaking again with Dr. Frank McAndrew. Let's take a break, Frank, and uh, come back, continue this discussion about gossip. I mean, it, it's a social skill, folks, too. It's not, I mean, there's there's a moral side of it, right? And it sounds like you can still uh, be part of a social network and not become part of the dark, seedy side of it. Just because you're hearing information doesn't mean you're having to become part of the dark side of the force if uh, terry was in the room we'll take a break folks and uh come back continue this discussion about gossip it's uh is it a character flaw or a social skill stick with us folks interesting discussion we'll be right back Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Gossip, is it a social skill? I believe it is. Um, It's not just inherently a character flaw. People just immediately think, oh, you're gossiping? We could make up another word for it that maybe is better than gossip. Uh, Maybe gossip only includes kind of the dark, negative side of sharing information. But there is an inherently positive, beneficial side as well socially to know that you're in the group, to know that you're in the know, you're finding out about things earlier um, joining us today, uh, Dr. Frank McAndrew is with us. He is an evolutionary social psychologist from Knox College. He joins us today from Illinois to talk to us about uh, what he thinks about how gossiping is not a character flaw. Frank, again, thanks for being with us. Yep. Uh, we, this, this is, is huge. Fine. I mean, oh, I yeah, think it's, I'm it's important to learn this. Is there a better word for the positive aspect of, uh, of gossiping than the word gossip? Because well, it's it's just networking, really, right? It's well,
8: it is, it is, and uh, it's keeping up.
2: There you go. Yeah,
8: yeah. <laughs> because let's face it: if if you're totally clueless about what other people are doing, who's friends with whom, and you're just naive about the political maneuverings wherever you happen to be, you're never going to get ahead. I mean, if you're you really have to know what other people are up to,
2: right? You you don't uh, need to know the dirt, or, I mean, you could even know that and just don't spread that and don't try to get advancement based on someone else's pain or problem.
8: Well, uh, unfortunately, I think our hunger is the greatest for information we can use.
2: Okay, And
8: that's the thing that really presses our buttons, because um, if I have a rival or somebody that's higher in the food chain than I am, and I find out some negative things about them, this is immediately interesting to me because it's something maybe I can exploit. I can use this to get ahead. Whereas if I find out the person um, above me has just won other awards and come into all kinds of other powerful friends and allies, well, that doesn't help me at all. Uh, I'm not going to be able to use this in, in any way. On the other hand, if I find out some very positive, good things about friends of mine or relatives of mine, this is going to be very interesting to me because it's potentially useful. Mm -hmm. So I think ultimately gossip does have a selfish core in that uh, people are kind of primed to do it because it's a useful thing that does help them get ahead. I'm just saying that's not the only thing that it does.
2: Right. Well, and I guess that's the key. If we want to, you know, teach our kids about healthy, uh, you you know, being in the know is... You, you're really – it's going to test your your most basic, base human tendencies to take advantage.
8: Yeah. And uh, it, just look at the evening news any night of the week. It's all stories about people. Right. And it's all stories about things that we can usually make moral judgments about, whether we're talking about political candidates or movie stars or any other kind of public figures. And we want to know the same things about them that we want to know about the people in our own lives.
2: Yeah isn't that it's just we we do we have this we have this idea right that it's just inherently bad and yet we've been surviving on it our entire existence
8: yeah and i would argue that you couldn't survive in the social world without it
2: uh-huh well and now it's weird too because we have social media so we can kind of more subtly <laughs> send our messages out you know even send them not as gossip but as news
8: right yeah and it's it's like gossip with a megaphone um you can transmit information to so many people in such a short time. There's nothing like it in human history before this. And so it is kind of running amok, I think. But, um, yeah, it's our caveman brains dealing with the 21st century.
2: What What are the rules we should use? Any other rules that you think of um, t- to make sure that we do keep our trustworthiness intact? One of the things you mentioned is that The mere fact I'm participating and being invited into the circle is because they trust me. But simultaneously, if I use it inappropriately, my trust is immediately broken.
8: Yeah. Uh, You don't want to betray trust. So uh, when you and another person are sharing information, there's sort of a mutual understanding about how this information should or should not be used. And if you break that deal – That's going to sort of expel you from at least that part of the network. Also, you don't want to ever be the person that incorrect information can be traced back to. Mm. So, you know, if you are going to be sharing any information, make sure it's relevant and make sure it's accurate.
2: Yeah, that's I mean, that's huge. It's I guess it does make you like a journalist, right? Exactly. If we're going to be on the record and it's going to be published or it's going to get out there, then make sure it's clean and clear.
8: And it will come back to you. You know, you you may think that, okay, I'm just going to plant this information over here and let it take on a life of its own. But sooner or later, somebody's going to find out where it came from.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And that is the social game of life.
8: It is. For better or worse.
2: For better or worse. And that's what I love. You're you're so objective about it. Because like for me, it's still I have this little word moral thing with it. Like, yeah, but you don't want to spread. Well, but no, but it's factually it's happening. It's going to happen.
8: Well, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't think it's a question of will you or won't you, can we stop it, or it's going to happen. Right. So let's just understand it as best we can and make it be a force for good rather than bad as much as we can. Yeah,
2: no, I think that's great. Dr. Frank McAndrew, thank you so much again. And, and uh, anybody, go, go look up his blog, Out of the Ooze on psychologytoday.com. It's a great blog. You can also go visit his website, FrankMcAndrew.com. Frank, thank you so much. Uh, great insight, folks. And again, it's part of our social being. You can still be moral as you share information and you can still take a stand sometimes and say, you know what? I'm not going there. I don't want to talk about that. Um, and, and I think over time, that could build uh, people's trust in you as well. So, but also don't negate the reality that people are talking. In fact, maybe elevate the game by talking more effectively. We'll take a break, folks. Come back. Visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. A little Aquabats for you, because today is uh, Bat... Remember, what is it? Uh, bat Appreciation Day. So our favorite bat on the show are the Aquabats. And uh, our favorite song, Captain Hampton and the Fierce Midget Pirates of Willy Goat. Great group. Our second favorite uh, uh, Fierce Midget Pirate... Of Willy Goat are Spencer and Jerem. We're gonna shoot it down to them and BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show today. Hello, gentlemen. My, My favorite Matthew. bat is uh Louisville Slugger. Ooh, yes. Yes. Do you remember the uh do you remember what what is it the weight or the number that's on the bottom of the bat? It's ounces. It, is it ounces or is, is, is it, it ounces? The... I, or, I think they have the ounces and the length of the bat as yeah. well. Do they? So, like, oh, what's the... Uh, 33, is that a long bat? I think I used to hit with a 33 maybe. When you were That's in a,
1: sixth grade?
2: Yeah. Yeah, when I was in sixth grade. Yeah, that sounds about right. That was it. 33. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't remember the ounces, but I liked them light. This isn't and, the Pinewood Derby. It's going to be okay. Yeah, I liked them light. <laughs> add some lead! I like, I, like them, I like to add cork to my bat. Okay. When was the last time George you guys Brett. drilled out the core of a bat and put some cork in that? It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a long time. Hey, uh, guys, how are you doing? Um, you, you're still alive, I see. Sporting that we are. You're still sportsing. mm Hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. good. We um we I wanted to talk to you guys about the playoffs.
5: Ah, uh, playoffs. The, Which the playoffs? The, M- the NBA playoffs. The, oh, oh, not the NHL. NHL.
2: No. Oh. I'm not into the NHL. We in fact Ottawa. We were, Boston tonight, uh, game three. Is it big? Is that big? Yeah, because it's in Boston on
1: Patriots on Day. Patriots Day. Oh, that, that is lined big. up.
2: That is huge. It's kind of lucky, right? The um, we we made the restaurant we were we were eating with a group of friends, and we made them change it from the hockey to basketball because the Jazz were playing. Mm-hmm. That was and a great game. For the it was a great Utah game. Utah Jazz. But Rudy
1: it, Gobert gets hurt, yeah, Joe Johnson makes the buzzer beater. I think Joe a cool. lot of
2: a lot of the playoffs are, are are turning into some pretty interesting games. I mean, it's the fun. Milwaukee
1: to watch. Bucks upset the Toronto Raptors. Jerem, hello, man, that man, that's exciting.
2: <laughs> you guys, you're spoiled.
1: We are spoiled. Yeah. F- in you, which way, though?
2: Well, you'd rather watch hockey on Patriots Day. That's not true. I know what you want to watch today is the big marathon.
1: Jared Ward, BYU grad and professor now, that's professor here, was in thirteenth place a few minutes ago Oh in the Boston Marathon. He took sixth in the marathon in the Rio Summer Olympics. Yeah, in August, and uh, looks like the men are coming down the back stretch here. How's watching it looking? It online.
2: Are you really? Where, yeah. where do you go for that?
1: NBC Sports Network. Okay,
2: just checking. Um, so, so what you're doing right now? You have as a
1: television you, in there
2: as you prep for your show. You no, you watch. Yeah, you, you well, you guys only take a few minutes to prep, really. <laughs> well, because yeah, hours, but yeah, <laughs> you're what we call perma-prepped. Yeah.
1: Once we talk to you, we're ninety-eight percent ready.
2: What do you guys do for the last two percent? I'm just dying to know.
1: The last two percent is Generally whatever you whatever, the, that, whatever the control room wants to review.
2: Okay. Does that usually involve like downing a donut, like snarfing a donut down, getting some sugar in you?
1: Yeah, if they dare us to do something, we try and sneak that in before the show. Those kind of things, A little that's social great. media. Make sure we're uh, teasing it out there on smart everything out there. No, that's
2: super smart. So you guys, you you're on everything. You're on all the social media. You're on. That would on, be
1: the most exaggerated statement of all time.
2: You're on IMDb, IMDb. Yeah, yeah, we are on that. You're on that. You're mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm.
1: We're going to Fast and the Furious tomorrow together. By the way, with Ben. You oh, come? Are, you, are,
2: you, are you going with fa- Fat? The Fate of the Yeah. You know what? I am not into that stuff. That's fine. Uh, I'll, I'll probably just be home, you know, coaching your wives um, as they call me. It's kind of weird. They always call and say, How do I get my husband to not always go to these silly shows?
1: I talked to said wife and she was cool with it. So she? Even invited her. Is that what she
2: told so, you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What can you do? Hey, uh, you she guys. She didn't
1: want to go? I'm shocked. If you don't want to go, it's on you.
2: Yeah. You it's guys. A
1: you, that's your problem.
2: Um, you're still doing your show, though, right? <laughs>
1: We are doing the show today. Yeah.
2: What, 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 what's on your show? The
1: today? NCAA Friday came out with some off-the-field rule changes in college football. No more two-a-days, 10th assistant coach coming in January, early signing period, and so on. We'll wow. talk about how this affects BYU. And our Twitter question is a fun one. If you could change one rule in college football, yes. what would it be? So we'll discuss that.
2: Interesting. I kind of want a little heads up. What I mean, like, What are the options? Anything, you, anything want. you
1: want. You're writing the rule. Mine. Oh my mine. God, speaking that's... of hockey, is bringing in a kind of a hockey thing into college football. I'll like, tell you like a check.
2: Later. You know what, Gator ball. Uh, there's a
1: lot of checks in college football already.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> so true.
1: And if it's excessive, it's called targeting.
2: Let's not do that. Yeah, that that hit someone BYU. without targeting. Anyway, right. Never mind. Okay. Another day. I have a feeling this is going to be a pretty heated show. Well,
1: if that's what the crowd of your helmet Jerry but uh, your crowd. eyes are not up. Why are they viewing the a player crown. that you are
2: attacking? What
1: are the kings? What, are they, what?
2: How do they know what? where your eyes are? Just where your helmet's faced? Apparently. Yeah, that seems kind uh, of. ask Kalani
1: Satake about that specific to uh, the BYU Utah game last year. I'm sure he'll have plenty to say.
2: Oh yeah, unleash the kraken. Hmm. Hey, um, <laughs> what uh, what else is on the show?
1: Oh, Blaine Fowler, you know, just uh, Just top 10 hair in Provo. Guy that won a national championship at BYU. Knows a lot about football and basketball. He's going to talk to us about anything and everything relating to dramatic issues within BYU Sports Nation right now. Ooh. Rule changes. And what about BYU basketball? What does he think Eric Meek is going to do? Leave for the NBA early? And Terry Nashif is no longer an assistant coach. What in the world happens next? What's going on? Yeah. What? Say, What? Okay. Also this, toss-up, which team is more likely to be ranked next season, BOE
2: football or BOE basketball? Mm. Football, if you wanted to know.
1: Oh, because you're the end-all, be-all? Yeah,
2: pre- problem solved right there. So wait, <laughs> Dr. Ladd has spoken.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway, that's the show. That's a great show. And, uh, okay, you still have five minutes to go get ready. Yes, if you just let us do that, that would be great. Go, go do that and then do it. Okay. All right, peace out. There they go, our two favorite bats, Louisville Slugger and the – oh, what was the name of it? ah, oh, I can't remember. I had a really great bat when I was growing up. Had a name. They used to call me Reggie. The Big Whiffer, wasn't it called? The Big Whiffer? Yeah. No, they, they called it the Whiffer Picker Upper because it looked like I would whiff, but then I would pick up you know, some outside fastball drive it to the wall for a stand-up triple clear the bases stand-up triple Mm -hmm. really it's one of the hardest hits around hmm yeah it's just you know it's just what we do it's what we do hey uh, a golf story out of Jeff's last golfing episode Uh, golf bag golf bag explodes listen to this audio from the golfing ooh Wow. Uh, a golf bag caught on fire, and then, uh, which caused Jeff's deodorant can that was inside the golf bag to explode in a northwest uh, Florida golf course. I didn't know you went to Florida this weekend.
4: You know, I've only been golfing two or three times,
2: so of course something like this was going to happen to me. But whenever I go, I always take my spray-on deodorant. Commercial coming. <laughs> the, golf ball, the, the golf bag... Uh, was apparently lying in the street unattended. It contained golf balls, golf clubs, golf tees, and an aerosol deodorant can. The golf bag somehow caught on fire and caused the deodorant can to explode. Sheriff's Office spokeswoman said the heat from the fire caused golf balls to fly out of the bag, and the golf club att- attendant extinguished the flames with a fire extinguisher, and firemen hosed down the incinerated golf bag to prevent nearby landscaping from catching on fire. No one was injured in the explosion or the fire, and officials do not suspect it was a bomb threat. No, it was a deodorant threat, right? I'll bet you Bucks, the guy had a Samsung 7 notepad, notebook, note. Hey, you guys want to go golfing? You're fired. There you have it. Audio from the entire uh, Inferno. By, um, By the way, sad because now you lost your clubs. Yeah, and my deodorant. I had Who, that imported from France. Which would you miss more? As a guy that doesn't golf much, would you miss more the clubs or the deodorant? Well, it's expensive deodorant. Well, and I, know, I know which one I would miss more for you. The deodorant. Hmm. I've never played golf with Not here. sure how to take that. <laughs> I meant it in the best way possible. Hey, as you know, we always like to wrap up the show with a hero story. Today's hero is a couple that gave a waitress a $400 tip, then they decided to pay for her college. Kayla Shondera was a waitress that works uh, two serving jobs in Honolulu, Hawaii. She recently received a tip from, uh, of a lifetime from an extremely kind Australian couple visiting the island for vacation. According to the Honolulu Civil, uh, Civil Beat, Shondera was waiting on the couple at Noi Thai Cuisine. On April 5th, when the topic of schooling came up, she explained that she moved to Hawaii for school but was forced to drop out due to financial hardship. Shandera dropped the couple's $205 bill, only to discover that they left a $400 tip. I thought it was just so generous of them. I never get tipped that big. I had to say thank you. Shandera told Kahn, Kohn, the, the station there in Hawaii, during dinner. They told me that they were where they were staying, so I ran there after work to see if they were still there. As a thank you, Shandera gave the couple flowers as well as a card. But the next day, the couple returned to the restaurant and proposed another gift to Shandera to pay off her student loan debt of more than $10,000 and to pay for the rest of her college tuition. How cool is that? Just a couple, um, and they're the heroes of the day. Uh, their names, we don't know, but uh, it is going to change the life of one struggling waitress in Hawaii. So that's what a hero looks like, folks. They see a need. They meet the need. They do what they can. It doesn't mean you always have to throw money at it, but sometimes you can, and sometimes it just means you're there to uh, take care of one another. That's the show. We'll be back again here tomorrow, 9 to noon Eastern time. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Until tomorrow, make it a great one, and let's take care of each other.